Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. A little system of a down playing us in here uh, to begin the show. Uh, that's correct, right, Mike? Yep, just had to let it bleed. Is it is it really system of a down? To you it is. I thought that is that Kid Rock? It is Kid Rock. It is Kid Rock. Okay. Yeah. I always get confused whether that's the song or the the music that Jody oh, that Jody you know got right, I got wrong. That's exactly the uh, song. Yeah. Whatever. And if people don't know what we're, you know, we, I love about just assuming that people know exactly what we're talking about. Um, but uh, yeah. So so Kid Rock um, opening the show tonight. Uh, but plenty of things to get to throughout the course of the show. I am Tom Kelly, by the way, uh, filling in for Big Daddy. Gr- well, filling Captain in for Kelly, actually filling in for John Johnson, who would be filling in for Big Daddy Graham. Instead, John Johnson will be filling in for Rhea Hughes on the morning show, or is he in for? I don't know. A uh, little, a uh, little confused. We'll figure out. Jan Johnson filling in for who? On the morning show, but I'm filling in for John, who's filling in for Big Daddy. So at least uh, I know that part of it. Uh, but plenty of things that we'll get through throughout the course of the show. You heard a little bit on Rob's show. Um, we have a lot of sound we need to get to. Um, with uh, New Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni sat down for a hard-hitting one-on-one conversation with, uh, who was he, he with, Spuds? With Dave Spadaro. Uh, so a lot of hard-hitting questions um, asked to Nick Sirianni. We'll get his responses on those uh, throughout the course of the show. Um, Bryce Harper also speaking uh, down in Clearwater. Uh, so we will get to some of the things that Bryce had to say in regards to the offseason, um, his uh, affinity for new uh Phillies president Dave Dombrowski and Sam Fold, because that's when Bryce knew that this thing was was real, was when the Phillies hired Sam Fold as their as their GM. Uh, or is, he's not the GM, right? He's assistant GM? Because Ned Rice is the GM. No, uh, Sam Fold's the GM. So where's Ned Rice? What's Ned Rice now? Is he? Does he have he's, a role? No, he's, he resumes his duties as the assistant to the GM. Oh, so he he's already, that was a very short tenure as interim GM. It's actually pretty long for an interim GM. Like, what, it went to, like, December? So, like, six weeks or eight weeks. 
pretty long time to not have a GM into the offseason. Yeah. Like, yeah. it went beyond the winter meetings. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Dombrowski's in charge. So, uh, we'll get to that a little later on. Uh, what Bryce had to say, and we still got to get to what Joe Girardi had to say um, from uh, the other day on the morning show, which we didn't get a chance to get to last night. We got that. We'll get to the Levi's that were um, unveiled on Thursday, uh, I think the audience did a better job of selecting the winners. So we'll get to that. And also um, the categories on Friday, which are the uh, big categories. Uh, I think two of them are relatively obvious, but um, best athlete, which is, uh, you know, like the best picture nominee. Um, We will get to that one and uh, what needs to be voted on as the best athlete the person who needs to win that award uh we will get to that as well uh as well as the sixers uh which we'll get to their victory over the mavericks on thursday night impressive performance from the sixers and their all-star point guard ben simmons so a number of things that we need to touch on throughout the course of the show but where i i need to start this morning is by piggybacking off of a, a conversation that I had with um, Al Morganti during the overlap show yesterday, because, uh, you know, I talked to Al and, and it got, uh, I don't know if heated is the right answer, but, but a lot of times Al and I will go back and forth and, you know, it'll be a very uh, cordial and lighthearted conversation where we'll talk about a number of different uh, miscellaneous things. This is this was more of a a sports heavy overlap show yesterday, um, as we were discussing a, a number of things with the Eagles, and we spent much of last night on the show talking about the Eagles' quarterback situation and whether or not they should consider taking one in the first round. To which the answer is obviously yes. And you know, if you want to weigh in on that tonight, you're you're welcome to. Um, but, uh, to not consider a quarterback in the first round is, is, is patently absurd. It is. Um, people say it's ridiculous to consider one. Well, I think the complete opposite. It's crazy not to consider one. Why wouldn't you? I mean, is it, is it fear of, of blowback? Is it fear of criticism for people mocking quarterback factory and all these other things? No. I mean, it's the most important position in all sports. And if you feel that you're still looking for that guy, which I'm sure the Eagles the Eagles are, uh, because you can't be sold on Jalen Hurts after just four games, um, you absolutely need to consider it. But that conversation kind of veered off into a, a, a discussion uh, about who's in charge with this organization. Al's point was essentially, don't draft a quarterback, and the reason why is that Howie Roseman is Roseman is running things, and that he won't do the right thing anyway, and that he's essentially the sole reason for, for all of the Eagles' problems. That every poll the morning show does, and, and really the station does, and, and he's right about this, that every poll is divided with pretty much everybody involved with this team, whether it be Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson or Jim Schwartz, that uh, the opinions on all of those guys are divided amongst this fan base 
um, except when it comes to Howie Roseman. And when it comes to Howie Roseman, everybody is in agreement, it seems, that Howie Roseman needs to go and that he is a huge issue with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I feel like I must preface this every single time uh, because, you know, you say one positive thing about Howie and, and people want to string you up by your feet. They want to throw tomatoes at you. You know, they want to whatever they did back in medieval times to to people who committed crimes or something. I feel like that's how people feel whenever I say anything positive about Howie. Sounds like a '90s cartoon thing. Throw tomatoes. No, this is, I think, what they used to do. Yeah, back no, in I know. Like you're right. You're right. 15th century England or whatever. Was it 15th, not 14th? Whenever. Back in the 1300s, 1400s. Um, uh, you know, somewhere around that time frame. I'm assuming. Gotcha. Uh, but I, I could be wrong. We'll, we'll check that. We'll check when when uh, y- y- the punishments were. What are those things that they put your head in and your hands? Uh, I don't know what those things are. Yeah, I know. Are I know called. the image. Yeah. yeah, and then they like they they pelt you with tomatoes or whatever or, or whatever fruit uh, would explode. And I feel like that's how how people feel when you say anything positive uh, about Howie Roseman. But while everyone wants to blame Howie solely for everything, and you know this is not a, a defense, but in my view. He is not and has not been the primary problem with this organization. He is a very convenient person to blame. He is an easy person to blame um, for a number of different reasons. I mean, the way he looks, the way he talks, you know, there are a lot of reasons and a lot of easy, convenient ones why you can put everything on Howie Rosen. None of this is to say he does not deserve a level of blame. Of course he does. He is the highest-ranking front office member. He is the person, ultimately, who's going to be judged, going to be held responsible for a lot of the decisions that are made with this organization. But the problem, the true problem, over the last couple years is and has been Jeffrey Lurie. It is. And people kind of shrug that off like, oh, he's just the owner. Like, just the owner. He's literally the most powerful person, by definition, in the organization. Jeffrey Lurie is the most powerful person in Philadelphia sports. Any of the four teams, he is the guy who runs the biggest organization in this city. And when you look at the Eagles' mistakes and the nature of them, especially with the cap, They are the byproduct of rewarding players for past performance. Rewarding players for Super Bowl 52. Instead of judging what they're going to be moving forward. And, you know, does that sound like a mistake Howie Roseman would make? Or does that sound like a mistake that Jeffrey Lurie would make? When you talk about bringing back... Guys like Jason Peters, year after year after year. Somebody who we know is very close with Jeffrey Lord. Like, I have a hard time believing that that was a Howie Roseman-inspired decision. Now, Howie's the one who will take all the heat for it. But there's no doubt that was that was a Jeffrey Lurie thing. Jason Peters was sitting out there. He didn't have a team. 
Him and Jeffrey Lurie are tight. Brandon Brooks gets hurt. And I guarantee you, Jeffrey Lurie said, you know, let's go get Jason Peters. He can fill in a right guard. And, and you know, it, and we all see how that worked out. And it, it turned out to be a disaster. When you move him back to left tackle, when he was clearly done, when Howie had obviously wanted to move on from Jason Peters. Like, that's the reason Jason Peters wasn't re-signed after the season last year and why he was sitting out there so long. And while Howie publicly says year after year after year, we need to get younger, they continue to bring back players who are, are older. Now, Howie does bear a responsibility for that, but... In many ways, I feel like the byproduct of of what has happened over the last couple of years is Howie Roseman acting at the discretion and the request of Jeffrey Lurie. Howie has made mistakes, but the owner is the one who, in my mind, has gotten the Eagles into this mess. Just like any time he has gotten too involved in uh, the history of his ownership. When Jeffrey Lurie sat back, when Jeffrey Lurie has allowed the people that he trusts and are competent to do their jobs, they've had success. When he has gotten too involved, they have failed. And I said it last week, 2017 was toxic for Jeffrey Lurie. It made him feel like he was a lot, uh, you know, better at evaluating, which he should has no business evaluating anything in regards to football. But when you hear him say the things like he said last week, like, oh, well, maybe I'll write a book about how we draft someday. I mean, what does that tell you about his overconfidence in his own, own abilities? And I, I got to go back to this one clip here um, from the gridiron genius Mike Lombardi, who was on with the morning show last week. Uh, he is not close with Howie Roseman. They, I'll just flat out say they don't like each other. I don't think that's, um, you know, a, a controversial thing to say or a hot take or anything like that. Uh, it's just a fact that they work together. They don't really like each other very much. And Mike Lombardi is not in the defense of Howie Roseman business. That's just not something that he does or would like to do. It's but, just a hot take. But uh, here was Mike Lombardi. Last week on the morning show, when asked, why is Howie Roseman still in this organization? And, you know, while Howie's not perfect um, and he's made mistakes, and again, it's collaborative, he's a part of it, he's also, I I don't believe he's a dope. Like, I just don't believe this new narrative that has been created, that Howie Roseman is is a dictator running through the Eagles organization and that he is acting solely on his own volition. And it doesn't make sense to view it that way. When you can see, you can easily connect the dots to why Jeffrey Lurie 
and how Jeffrey Lurie is getting and has gotten way too involved with the day-to-day operations of his football operation and his organization over the last several years. And when Howie has been trusted to make decisions independent of the owner, he has done well. And it's time we really focus on where the issues truly lie. And that is at the feet of the owner, Jeffrey Lurie. He is the main problem. And he has been for longer than we'd like to admit, longer than I believed. I mean, I was a couple months ago saying I trusted Jeffrey Lurie. I trusted him to make the right decisions. I trusted him to do the right things. But with what we saw after the season, the haphazard firing of Doug Peterson, which, by the way, was reported that Howie was lobbying for Doug to keep his job. The hiring of Nick Sirianni, which, obviously, I mean, Howie's involved in that process, but Jeffrey Lurie is the one who's obsessed with the Frank Reich, uh, you know, tree, the Frank Reich era, the Frank Reich, whatever it is that Frank Reich does that impresses Jeffrey Lurie so much I still can't figure it out. But these are Jeffrey Lurie decisions. These big decisions, these are Jeffrey Lurie decisions. And I think they're really telling in terms of what it's happened the last few years. The fact that Jeffrey Lurie has gotten way too involved and he is the ma- major problem here. And it's not, I'm, I'm not telling you how he has done great. I'm not even telling you how he deserves to keep his job. I personally think he could do a lot worse. But if you say he should be fired, fine. I'm not going to tell you you're, you're necessarily wrong in that regard. But Jeffrey Lurie is the bigger issue here. And as we continue to scream about Howie every day, and while he deserves a level of blame, he does not deserve the bulk of the blame here. The bulk of the blame should be laid at Jeffrey Lurie's feet. And when you look at a lot of the mistakes that have been made, it makes a lot of sense, a lot more sense, that these have come from Jeffrey Lurie and come straight from the top as opposed uh, to, to being moves that were instigated by Howie Roseman. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I want to know who do you believe is the, the larger problem here? Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman? And it doesn't mean Howie's not involved. doesn't mean he's not culpable for anything. He is. Um, but it's way bigger than just him. And as I see every day, the Howie is the problem. Howie is the issue. Like, Howie is the only issue here. You got to look above. You got to look higher because Jeffrey Lurie has done a lot of things that have put this organization in the unenviable position uh, they are in, especially from a salary cap perspective. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, let's get it started with Dave and Lansdale. What's up, Dave? Hello, Dave. Let's put Dave back on hold. We'll get Dave after the break. I also see Brian in Stratford wants to talk about a Sixer trade room, which we will get to as well. Um, as we will discuss Sixers on the show um, after their win over the Dallas Mavericks on 
Thursday night. So plenty of stuff to get to throughout the course of the show. Um, I am Tom Kelly filling in for Big Daddy Graham right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Friday morning. If you want to get into 15-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, discussing the Eagles and, you know, it always does sound, you know, like, uh, and this is something we've both been accused of, Mike, is being Howie Rosen apologists. Uh, that's not how I view it. I just, I, you know, we're a show that likes to keep it real and, um, it's easy. It's very easy to just, you know, blame Howie for everything. It is. It's what most people do, and it's the easy take to have. And I get I get why people do it. Um, it's just a hot take. But, but like, it flies but, in the face of the evidence. Right, it does. Like, the evidence tells you that Jeffrey Lurie has been much more involved since 2017. That, you know, I, I just find it hard to believe. As the Eagles went out after, after the Super Bowl, and they gave... All of these veterans that had won that championship, a bunch of extensions. Like, do, does that seem like something Howie would do, or does that seem like something that Jeffrey Lurie would do? A person who we know has emotional connections, develops connections to these players, and is not kind of a, a, more of a cold-hearted business person, which, which Howie is. Like, it's pretty obvious that Jeffrey Lurie is dictating a lot of the decisions here and it's not it does not mean in any way that how he is absolved from blame but let's just be honest about what we're looking at and be honest about the fact that, that Jeffrey Lurie is the one who has become the problem he has become way too intoxicated by 2017 and when the questions are asked why is Howie Roseman still here and 90% of the voters on this morning show, Paul, said it's because he's Jeffrey Lurie's friend. Like, there's no way that's the case. Uh, you say what you want about Jeffrey Lurie, and I've been frustrated with Jeffrey Lurie. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie has done a good job um, at owning this franchise over the last few years. But I believe Jeffrey Lurie wants to win above all else. I truly believe that. And I believe if Jeffrey Lurie thought that his franchise would be better off if you were to get rid of Howie Roseman, I think he would do that. I mean, the reason why Howie's still here is because Jeffrey Lurie thinks he can provide value and do things well. And in many ways, I think it's an admission by Jeffrey Lurie that he has been too involved. And I would hope this means that he will take a step back. Because when you look at and you see these stories that I brought up last week about Jeffrey Lurie being so involved in the draft process and, you know, that in many ways he was pushing for Jalen Rager and he was pushing for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Like, it makes a lot of these other things make a lot of sense. And I think it's pretty obvious that he has been the bigger issue here. And when people ask, why is Howie still here? I, I see it as an admission by Jeffrey Lurie that he has been the main voice between many of these mistakes, if not all. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Uh, let's try Dave again here. What's up, Dave? 
Hey, how are you doing? What's Sorry going on, Dave? Earlier. No problem. I had you guys on mute because I was oh. on for a little bit. That's all right, Dave. Um, my concern is flyers, actually. The flyers, okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's we have pucks. a young goaltender that is having a 3.68 goals against average this year uh, compared to a 2.48 last year uh, and the year before that with only five games. I think, believe, um, and we're saying he's our golden boy. Yeah, Everyone's well, buying his jerseys. Everyone's buying into Carter Hart and everything else. Uh-huh. Uh, he's still under the rookie contract, and this is the year where you do a two-way or a NHL contract. So what are you saying, Dave? You want to convert Carter Hart to a two-way player? You want to send him to the Phantoms? Yes. Right now, where he's playing, yes. Well, I mean, do you, you wouldn't you want to, to give him a chance to play his way out of the funk here? I don't know. If you might be just shattering his confidence even further if you're, if you're sending him down. No, because right now, as a NHL goalie, he is playing horrible. Play Hart, Carter, or uh, play Elliot. He is a way better. He's experienced. He's 36, 37 years old. Um, he has experience behind him. I would play him before Carter Hart right now. All right. I don't know. I don't know, Dave. I would say uh, your leash is a little short there. I would give Carter Hart a little more time. I'd let him play his way out of it. I think he's a young goaltender. Uh, going through a tough time, but um, I'd let him play his way out. You have your little bit of going through two, three games uh, of a losing streak or a long streak, whatever you want to call it. But right now, he is playing horrible, and we need to get the funk out. Yes, he is still winning because of our offense, but our offense is only doing – the last shots of the game, like we're doing 20-something-odd shots a game, which is last in the league. We're getting shot against him the most out of the league right now. That's not, that, that's not good statistics there. For, for, that doesn't bode well for the, for the fly guys, Dave. No, it does not. That's why I say put Elliot in. Okay. Put him, Moose. mention him. Make him learn a little bit. Elliot is a really great guy. He will teach him. He's a very average goaltender, Dave. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a hockey expert here, but Brian Elliott's like a journeyman. He's he's nothing special. He's not, but he will learn off of him. That's okay. what you need. A person that's been in the league that knows something. He has his own expertise. Elliot does, and then Carter Hart does. Carter Hart showed it last year. He'll get back to it, but yeah, he, his confidence is not there right so, now. So just send him down like a Roy Halladay situation. Send him down, he'll get it worked out, and he'll come back up, and he'll be be. Great. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you for the call. All right. See you. See you later, Dave. Uh, that was a fun call to start the night. You know, a little little pucks. I'm 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 open to talking pucks here. This we're a hockey show and a strong you know strong take. That's a strong take. It was a strong take to send Carter Hart down. It's I just mean, that, a hot take. What do you think, Mike? I think that's a bit of a dramatic move. I mean, it's pretty early in this guy's career. We're we're just casting him aside already for Moose. Well, I mean, the way the he's, Moose, the way he spelled it out with his contract situation made sense. 
Yeah, but I mean, I I'm not doing that. I'm letting the kid play through it. All right. You know, you gotta you gotta give him an opportunity here. I I think you're uh, maybe maybe shattering his confidence a little bit. I mean, this is a guy who played pretty well in the playoffs last year in the Montreal series. Pitched a shutout. And what was that game three? I believe. Yeah, game three. Yeah, a t- tremendous uh tremendous run for him. I don't know if I would just uh you know send him down and, and trust um Brian Elliott. Uh, to take over the reins uh, be- between the pipes here. Uh, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, let's go to Brian. Let's talk about the Sixers a little bit. What's up, Brian? Yeah, I just want to talk about the Sixers and yeah. like this new day and age of trading. Because yeah. growing up in like the late 90s to early 2000s, the only trades that really matter is if you got a top five draft pick. But all of a sudden, these pick swaps and first-round picks need something. It's where the Nets got James Harden for four first-round picks and four pick swaps. But over the next four years, that means you're getting the average pick of 25 to 30. So if I'm the Sixers, I would be smart, put Maxi or Thibel in a package, and maybe one pick swap in the first-round pick and try to go for not a superstar. We don't need another one because a lot of people think you need to trade Ben Simmons to get a superstar. But I would I would keep Ben Simmons because he's so good at defense. But I would try to go after a Kyle Lowry or maybe a D'Angelo Russell that could really run the point and shoot. But we need another guard. That's the veteran right now. I think D'Angelo Russell will be the perfect fit. He could score. He can create. He can make his own jump shot. He could pass down to the post. And I think every I think it would be a much better team than the Nets. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know, Brian. It's interesting. I'm just not a big D'Angelo Russell guy. Like, he, he's 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 kind of a losing player. I feel like everywhere he goes, he just he wants to get his shots up. He was decent on Brooklyn a few years ago when he could do that. Um, but I don't know. I'm not a big D'Angelo Russell fan, and, and he's kind of a guy that needs the ball in his hands. And, and on this team where you already have Ben and Tobias who need the ball as well, I, I don't know if I would really be that interested in him. But that's a lot of problem. Tobias does not need the ball in his hands. He's off the guard, kind of like what J.J. Redick did. We yeah. put the ball in Tobias's hands because we don't have another guard. Tobias, so I actually think, is better. Than let's give up four first-round picks and four pick swaps for Bradley Beal, who was actually a better fit than James Harden would have been, and we could still keep Ben Simmons. Well, I'd love to do that, Brian. I just don't think I don't think the Wizards are trading Bradley Beal. Um, what, uh, what do you I, think I, of what do you think of Zach Levine? That's the name I brought up the other night. Yeah, I I, I would love that. I think he's such a good scorer, creator. The only thing I think they would want Ben Simmons in return. I don't think Thibault Maxi and take. I mean, maybe they do, but maybe not. But I, if we can get Simmons, Zach Levine, and Embiid on the same team with Tobias, I think that puts us over the top because we have another ball. Really, what we need is another ball handler. That's why I think Kyle Lowry also fits so well. Plus, the city would embrace him because he's from Villanova. I remember that 07 Villanova team. Like, I, I love that team. We lost to Florida. We lost to Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford. And how great is it that Al Horford's the villain of that team? Like, I would yeah. know. Yeah, no, I, I remember that that run, too. Also, Corey Brewer. You remember Corey Brewer, Brian? He had a yes, big game a couple years ago. Uh, he shut down James Harden for the Sixers. That was yes, he, yeah, he did. And he was also a part of that Florida team. Yeah, he was. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I I just feel like everyone thinks like trade Simmons to get the, your next superstar. 
I feel like we can do it. The, the day and age the NBA is going, I just think we can do it with Simmons and beating, get another superstar through something else. Yeah, no. I got you, Brian. I, yeah, I got you. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. And the Sixers, they need to do something at the deadline. I, I, I like their team. I do. But they don't have enough to beat Brooklyn right now. Brooklyn is getting it together. Brooklyn is going to be a force. They're going to be the team that the Sixers are going to have the most difficult time with. Like, not many of these other teams in the East really worry me that much. I do not really worry about Boston very much. I think the Sixers are gonna w- would beat Boston this series. Um, Miami actually scares me. Uh, I would hope you could avoid that matchup in the first round uh, because you know they're gonna end up, they're gonna end up getting the playoffs, and Miami will be playing their best basketball at the end of the season. Um, They've dealt with a lot of COVID issues, but they're getting it together. They worry me a little bit. I think the Sixers match up decently with Milwaukee. Um, the team that worries me is Brooklyn. And you need to find a way uh, to improve yourself uh, before that point. You know who's good, too? It's Indiana. Ah, Once they get Lavert ah. and Warren. Yeah. No, they're good. Like Sabonis, Turner. They're not beating the Sixers in a series, though. But but that's that could be a seven game series. That would be I wouldn't want that. I don't think it would be a seven game series. I think that's a I think that's a six gamer. Yeah, right. In which the Sixers have a three one lead. They lose the game five. Have to go to Indiana for game six. I was actually gonna say it's gonna be where the first four or or you know evenly matched and interesting, and then Sixers win five and six. Maybe, maybe uh, you know I could see something like that, but. Uh, maybe it's just because they're the Pacers, they don't scare me. You know, there are some teams that... They always get their ass kicked by them. Yeah, but but the Pacers, you, like, you know the Pacers aren't making a deep playoff. When's the last time Pacers made a deep playoff run? Uh, I guess, you know, when they would beat the Sixers. Yeah, back in, like, the early... <laughs> like two- the Actually, no, no, ne- never mind. They did have the Paul George, Oh, yeah, Roy right, Hibbert what year. am I saying? Yeah, Roy Hibbert year, where they went to the, uh, the, uh, the conference finals and... Um, Roy Hibbert was remember like that post game. LeBron. That oh yeah, remember that post game interview he almost got suspended in Game Seven for. No, uh, he, he said something that was you know, it was now it's you know it's derogatory, but he, like it was like it was crazy. It's like the Pacers' starting center is like is risking getting suspended over like saying a slur for no reason. Right. Ro- well, uh, Paul jo- and Paul George's been living off that series for years. That's where he st- I guess Man. dubbed himself Playoff P. <laughs> and ever since then, he's been just awful in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think the Sixers need more. And we'll get into uh, the Kyle Lowry rumors when we get back here and talk about the Sixers game tonight because I do want to switch it over to the Sixers a little bit. We'll get back to the Eagles as well. If you want to get in on the uh, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman discussion, um, you're welcome to uh, because, you know, I think Jeffrey Lurie's a much bigger problem than Howie Roseman is. It's clear to anybody who wants to pay attention. It's just easy for people to blame Howie all the time. So uh, you, you're more than welcome to chime in on that. But we will talk about the Sixers when we return. Because um, we never got into the all-star selection of Ben Simmons and the snub of Tobias uh, last night. So we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to the game on Thursday night against Dallas and the Kyle Lowry rumors about him potentially coming back to Philadelphia, whether I think that's something the Sixers should entertain. Get to all that coming up next. Also, social media gripe. Um, that's coming up as well in the next segment. So open lines if you want to get in. 
Uh, we've had some good calls to start the show tonight, uh, and I would like to uh, to hear from you as well. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, filling in for John Johnson, filling in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, We'll get to Drew in a second here. Um, But first, I got to give you my social media gripe of the day. We have another challenge that has uh, graced us with its presence on social media. Um, And this comes courtesy of uh, our pal. Glenn Mack now and Glenn falls victim to a lot of these challenges is that's one thing I've noticed Mike is Glenn is a big challenge guy whenever there's a challenge uh Glenn likes to get in on it he likes to try and top people I think yeah because you know Glenn's been a lot of cool places and stuff he's got stuff to uh he's got perspective I guess to offer yeah and uh this this challenge is um uh, name the movie that was number one in the box office on your 21st birthday. That is how your 2021 is going to play out. Like, it's kind of a dumb challenge. The movie that was number one on your 21st birthday? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, for, you know what? Search for search for both of ours. How about that? What year um, did you turn 21? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, when, it's not when you were born, when you turned 21. Uh, 2008, I turned 21. So March 10th, March 10th, 2000. Thank you, Mike. You remember my birthday. That's so kind of you. Uh, but uh, actually, I remember Rob Ellis's birthday, but you right. just, it just happened to be your day. That's right. Rob and I, that's, Rob and I are birthday buddies. Uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe we should uh, request. Well, actually, I'll probably be out uh, at that uh, point yeah. for uh, paternity leave or whatever. Uh, but I was going to say, like, we should have requested to, like, the powers that be at WIP that maybe Rob and I could just co-host together that night as a little, you know, birthday party for the birthday boys on March 10th. Be a nice little Wednesday morning treat for the listeners. Well, you know what I could do? It, you know, that is a Tuesday into Wednesday. Yes. So that is a Rob show. It, it, you know, I don't know if Rob would want this, but if I'm up with a baby, you know, maybe I could I could call in. You know, Wish you had I'm glad I just invited myself as a guest on Rob's show, but you know, we could have a little birthday segment. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's something we could do. Um, but, uh, have you, uh, have you found yet? No, I got distracted by that. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get back to it in a minute. Uh, so I want to know if anybody's participated in this challenge, but just another, uh, another challenge here, um, that has, uh, made the rounds. What are you laughing at there? You got my movie up? Yeah. What is it? Semi-pro. Semi-pro. So that's how my life is going to play out. So <laughs> I've actually never seen Semi-pro. I haven't either, but I just figured it was one that you would have. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a pretty humorous movie, though. Will Ferrell, a good actor. Yeah. A good comedic actor. All right. Um, mine what was yours? Despicable Me too. Oh. Mm. So that that's... Uh, that's a, that's what those little minion things, right? Yeah, I don't really know what the plot is, though, so I can't really tell you how it turns out. Yeah, I just know my, my nieces are, like, obsessed with those those minion things. Um, so that's the uh, social media gripe today. Uh, another uh, another challenge making the rounds. 215-592-9494. Uh, let's go to Drew in Westchester. What's up, Drew? Hey, Tom. How's it going, man? Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh... I got a, I, I I I got a pretty good movie set. When I was twenty one, um, 
It was Top Gun. That's pretty good. Oh, there you go. That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty I, good one. I, that's another movie I've, I haven't seen, Drew. Oh, um, I've gotta, heard gotta, it's uh, I've heard it's great, yeah. but I I've yeah. never seen it. Are you excited for the uh, the sequel to come out? Uh, I haven't really um, been into that and like learned much about whether you know it's supposed to be good or not. But yeah, I mean, definitely check it out. But yeah, yeah. you got to you got to see the original for sure. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll, um, I'll try to uh, I'll get to checking that out one of these days here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, so uh, yeah, listening to you, um, I think you're just letting yourself be distracted with the Howie Roseman thing. I mean, these one-off situations like a Jason Peters, or even if I grant you like if 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 Lori was in the room and and made him pick our Sega white side i mean those are one or two guys i mean what about the last 7 years of drafting that have just basically stunk since i mean there hasn't been a good draft since 2013 basically so no well 20 2016 was actually a really good draft drew i mean they got a lot of 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 productive players out of that draft i mean i'm not going to defend you know the draft record yeah. overall but 2016 was actually a very good draft for them. Okay, well, yeah, and, and I, I just, to me, that's easily the most important, if not, you know, right up there as far as what the GM's job is, is to do a good job drafting. And the teams that draft well do well year in, year out. The teams that, teams that don't draft well tend to be the bottom of the barrel teams. And the, the reason why we're in the situation we're in is because Howie has stunk at drafting over the past several years. Yeah, I mean, One, the- you know, the drafts haven't been good, Drew, without a doubt. But I mean, I would also, uh, you know, suggest that that you do look at Lori there, where he's been more into the draft process. He's been more involved in the conversations. You know, there have been stories over the last couple of weeks that he was uh, one of the big people stumping for Arthago Whiteside, and and last yeah. off season he really was obsessed with speed, and he wanted Rager, and that doesn't absolve Howie. But I do think we got to look at it contextually a little bit in terms of the well, level of involvement Lori has. Yeah, well, look, I, I will not argue with you that the buck stops with the owner. He's responsible for everything. He's responsible for all levels of the organization. And so any level or all levels that fail, the buck stops with the owner. So Lori deserves as much. He's as responsible as anyone. But, but Howie deserves, he deserves whatever criticism he is getting because he 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 just has he's done an awful job of restocking this team with young talent on a year in year out basis. He just has, he's done a terrible job of it. And that's why we're in this position. And that's, that, that's the bottom line. So he does not deserve to continue to have that responsibility and authority. He just doesn't No, And I, yeah, go ahead. Drew. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, so I just think, I, I don't think, you know, he's taking any more blame than he should. He deserves a heck of a lot. Yeah, no, I got you, Drew, and I appreciate the call, and, and good points. I mean, it, it, a lot of that is is true. Like, Howie is certainly one of the people who deserves blame, but I, I, I'm telling you, I listen to the station every day, and I very rarely hear Jeffrey Lurie's main name mentioned. I, I mean, it's all Howie all the time, and I think we do got to look closer at a lot of these moves um, you know, there have been stories out about the draft picks and Lurie potentially being behind those. The Jason Peters thing is one situation, but it's not a one-off here. Like, there are several issues that you can link back to Jeffrey Lurie, and it, it makes a lot of sense. And what I want to look at real quick is, you know, the Carson Wentz contract and the fact that the Eagles gave him that contract after 2018. And that's something that since has been a point of, of discussion 
in terms of did the Eagles give Carson Wentz that contract too early? And, you know, Jeffrey Lurie clearly has an affinity for Carson Wentz that supersedes anybody else in the organization. Um, You know, maybe with the exception of Howie, even though I think Jeffrey Lurie really, really loved Carson Wentz. Um, But here is a sound we played yesterday. Here's Jason Avant talking about uh, the 2018 season and how that ended, how that affected Wentz. This is 2018 is where the mindset of Carson, to me, with the organization changed. Here's why. They were not going to the playoffs. Carson was dealing with the back issue, and he was playing through injury. Carson wanted to play. The organization chose, against Carson's wishes, to play Nick Foles. Nick Foles revives the season. Now, I, you know, when you look at how that happened, the Eagles giving him a contract a couple months later, I think that was a lot of trying to smooth things over, and I think it came from Jeffrey Lurie, because Jeffrey Lurie loved Carson Wentz and viewed Carson Wentz as his as his golden child, so to speak. And that there's been much made of that in terms of the culture that had been set of coddling Carson Wentz and doing everything for him within the organization. And the reason I point to Lori more than Howie in this regard goes back to something Chris Long said. And this was right after the Cleveland game earlier in the year. And here's how Chris Long uh, said that Howie, that Jeffrey Lori views Carson Wentz. So they just paid him in 2019. You know, Doug, after the game, people are asking, you know, Doug says he, he doesn't bench him because it's, it's, um, it would be the wrong move for the football team. It would signal something. It would send a clear message that this thing is over. Well, I think, for one, he's acknowledging that Hurts doesn't necessarily look any better, but more importantly, because you got to understand, they know these guys in and out. At this juncture, maybe Hurts isn't a clear answer. But more importantly, Jeffrey Lurie loves Carson, right? And I'm not saying whether he's right or wrong, but the owner likes the quarterback. And I think Doug probably likes the quarterback too. I don't know what Doug thinks if Doug plays a favor with Carson. I don't know if Jim Schwartz likes Carson. I don't know if Howie likes Carson at this juncture. I don't talk to these people, okay? But the owner likes Carson. And right now, if I'm the owner, I'm looking down and I'm saying, what happened to my MVP? Right? Because he was on an MVP track in 2017. He hasn't looked the same. If it's just injury, it's just injury. But you also paid him 2019, a year and a half ago, you broke him off to be the quarterback of your future. And now you can't get like anything out of him. And when you look at that and you hear that, like Jeffrey Lurie is the one who has loved Carson Wentz and, and, wanted to smooth things over with him, I think, after 2018. I think there were kind of hard feelings at the organization because Carson didn't want to be shut down, especially the way the season ended. It's probably a non-issue if the Eagles just lose in L.A. the next week um, and, you know, they don't go to the postseason. But going to the postseason, it exacerbated the issue. And I think that that made Jeffrey Lurie dictate to Howie Roseman, let's get him this contract. You know, let's smooth things over. And it's just a, a, a kind of a sign of these longer term, these these big decisions with the organization that I think have been taken out of Howie Roseman's hands. I really do. And again, it's not to say he's not to blame. He certainly deserves a level of blame. He should be 
able to convince Jeffrey Lurie to do the things that, that he needs to do. But I think Jeffrey Lurie has become so intoxicated by winning the Super Bowl and the fact that Jeffrey Lurie views himself as the guy that found Carson Wentz because he was leading that charge, apparently, that he wanted to be involved in all these decisions. And I don't think... I hate when people say, well, it's not worth criticizing the owner because he's not going to sell the team anyway. Criticizing owners works. Criticizing owners instigates action. And, you know, you can think that we just just spout off on the radio, but they listen to the station. All these organizations do listen. And when you look at the when owners get criticized, that spurs them to take action. Look at what the Sixers and Phillies just did this past offseason. John Middleton was being criticized for saying he wasn't going to spend money. Went out, spent a lot of money. Josh Harris was being criticized for not fixing his front office. Fix his front office. If Jeffrey Lurie, uh, if the perception is that his organization is a joke, he is going to make changes. This just tells me that, that he doesn't feel that's necessary. And it goes beyond just Howie being a guy that's a friend. Jeffrey Lurie's fired friends before. He fired his Childhood best friend in Joe Banner. I don't believe that's the only reason Howie Rosen's here. Howie Roseman still being here only tells me that quietly, Jeffrey Lurie is admitting that a lot of this is on him. And I think it's pretty obvious to see that when you get by personal biases, um, when people just want to blame Howie for everything. He deserves a certain level of blame, but certainly not all of it. And in my opinion, not the majority of it. The majority of it comes from the owner who's gotten too involved and wants to be uh, too involved in these big decisions, and I hope he's seen the error of his ways. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will get to the Sixer stuff here. I, I need to get to this uh, when we return. Um, in regards to Sixers, what happened Thursday night, their big win over Dallas and um, the Kyle Lowry rumors that are circulating. We'll get to that next. If you want to get in on the Eagles, Sixers, you're welcome to. Also, we will get to some Philly stuff coming up as well. As Bryce Harper spoke, um, some interesting things that Bryce had to say. Um so we'll get to that as well as we move forward. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to get into 15-592-9494, talk about the Eagles and why I think Jeffrey Lurie is more to blame for Howie Roseman for the Eagles' issues. It's very uh, fashionable to blame Howie, but what we do on this show, we look deeper into the issues here. We're not just superficial uh, blamers here. We we do our research and do our, our studying. And Mike, I, I... you're well. You're you're. I don't know if I can call you objective in this regard, but you agree with me. On I've been this, a, right. I've been objective the whole decade with Howie. You're you're. When everyone thought it was like fashionable to bash him, I was like, no, no, no. Let's look at the facts here. This guy's fine. Right, but you never criticize him. Like I'll criticize him sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think of the last move I criticized him for. You supported the bodyguard move. They had nobody left. They had they 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 had three starters hurt. Yeah. 
Um, and that's another thing. Uh, you know what? I wasn't thrilled about Slay at the time. Like, I, I didn't get the... Ex- like, people acted like we traded a, for, like, Asante Samuel. What a bum he is. He is such He's a... He's not a bum. He is a bum. He's, I give him credit. He played tough. He's a losing... He played, play, played tough. Played tough. He bailed out of that Arizona game. He, no, so, he got concussed. Yeah, he's in the concussion protocol. He's still tweeting out, you know, uh, all weekend long. I mean, I don't know. I, what? He was tweeting out, like, all weekend long during that. Or if you're, you're concussed, aren't you supposed to not be on social media? Have you ever had a concussion before? It's, I don't believe I have. It's really not that. Ta- it's not that hard of a task to pick up a phone. Well, whatever. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't like Darius Slay. I think that's pretty clear. But you're right. The offensive line. That's another issue where I don't. I think way too much is made about this offensive line. Uh, first of all, they didn't play as bad as people think they played. The quarterback held the ball too long a lot of times. But I don't think the offensive line's really in that bad of shape. Like, if the tackle from Oregon is there at six, I think you almost have to take him if he's supposed to be that good. But if you get these guys back, like Brooks and Johnson, you know, you you have a starting line of Malata, Sayamalu, Kelsey, if he comes back. Brooks Johnson, and then your backups. We got Dillard. We got Nasty Nate Herbig. We got uh, Jack Driscoll. I liked what I saw out of him. I don't think this offensive line's in that bad of a shape. No, I agree. It was just it was a year from hell injury wise. Right. So uh, discussing that and discussing the Howie versus Jeffrey Lurie stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tommy Kelly forty four, where I get a couple tweets. Ryan, our buddy, has tweeted at us. Um, Rob and I almost share a birthday with Bobby Abreu. So we almost share. <laughs> Ryan would know that. Yeah. Um, Ryan, Ryan also, look it up. Ryan also says the number one movie on his 21st birthday was the gray with Liam Neeson. I'm not familiar with that movie. And Lauren, uh, says I need to stop the show right now and go watch top gun. Uh, she is social distance strangling me right now. So I, you know, I don't know. I've never been, like, I've never been that enthused about seeing Top Gun. I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy. You know? I don't know. I've never, I've never, are you a Mission Impossible guy? My, I, you're not a Mission Impossible guy. <laughs> I, I, okay. I just, I, I, well, am I wrong about that? You're, you're correct. Yeah, no, I'm not a Mission Impossible guy. I don't well, even, that's what does Tom that even Cruise? look like? What does that even look like? I don't know. What does a Mission Impossible guy look like? How can you spot oh, one? Man, I'm going to have to, you know what? I think, uh, you think Jan Janssen's a Mission Impossible guy? Uh, Jan's an everything guy. You know what? I'm going to ask Jan when he gets in the morning whether he's a Mission Impossible guy because you, first, I feel like I've spotted him, him as a Mission Impossible you guy. You should ask him, do you suspect Mike's a Mission Impossible guy? Well, I know you're not. Because you're, just ask him if he does. Just like when he was asking you about TV yesterday. and I'm like, ah, don't ask. Mike's not a TV guy. Yeah. Uh, just stay, stay. Yeah, like, am I, like, do you see me as somebody who's just hoarding and collecting like TV subscription accounts? That was not a. That was not the conversation. Well, like you're the. They, for some reason, you just reminded me of the guy in Seinfeld who collects the TV guides. Yeah, and right. He starts stalking Elaine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm well, not. She, a, he doesn't collect them. Frank does. But then there was that other weird guy. He was attracted to her because of. Or no, she left. She dropped it on the subway. Is that right? It? Right. 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 Something like that. I, I. I forget. I gotta go brush up on my uh, Seinfeld. But I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. I've never been inspired to. I I don't like like the '80s movies. People make so much about oh the '80s. What a great um, uh, time that was for movies. I don't 
Like, I don't really think so. I saw The Breakfast Club. I didn't think it was very good. Like, I, I thought it was massively overrated. People were like, oh, one of the best comedies ever. I, it didn't do anything for me. I, I, I didn't really enjoy it at all. Um, so I don't know. I don't really like that eighties era. Um, but this Top Gun sequel, I don't, I, yeah, I don't really have any interest in it. Uh, I did meet one of the stars though at the, uh, Phillies game. He came in for an interview. Miles Teller, I think is his name. A popular. That, that sounds like somebody. Yeah. He's a Philly guy. Um, so he, he, we, we interviewed him one night, uh, with JJ. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I actually can like hear Jim Jackson saying that name. Yeah. I was, I was down on the concourse for that, that night and in the booth. Uh, and, and I met that he's a nice guy. Nice fella. Yeah. N- nice fella. Uh, speaking of Philly and this is something, and, and this will transition into the Sixers here, which by the way, watching the, the, the Sixers and that TNT show is just, it's so well-produced. It really is. They, those but guys, they, they can't be, even get the guys on time. Well, that was what's hilarious about it is Charles walking back, uh, coming back from break. It's like, they're just, they are just sitting there. Shooting the breeze. They're not taking it too seriously. You know, I love that when they show the tweets of, you know, somebody tweeted in, like, penguins waddling, like, this is Chuck coming back from the break. Ernie Johnson's a pro, man. He is a pro's pro, Ernie Johnson. You just know Barkley had, like, some, like, three-team parlay in college basketball going, and that's why he was... Yeah, he's like, I'm doing research for the tournament. Like, yeah, you're gambling <laughs> on those games, Chuck. I mean, I, I don't... Like, you, it's so easy to fake your way through tournament analysis. And we'll... St- you know, once... I don't know if I'll be in that week leading up to the tournament, but we should do a bit where we just blindly go through... Because, Mike, you're a college basketball Remember See, when not- I actually... Like, right before they all got canceled... I took like 20 minutes on your show and previewed every single tournament. That was the most pointless segment ever, considering it didn't even happen. Right. We, we previewed the conference tournaments. Um, but, uh, and that was the last segment before the pandemic hit on my show. That's right. Um, so, uh, but, but I, I would like to do something where if, if I am in that week before the tournament where I can just try to fake my way with analysis. You can just give me a team, and I'll yeah. fake my way through analysis. So like, like you know, little undersized, but good guard. Play. Yeah, good guard. They play. can penetrate. You, <laughs> you just say the same thing. Like all you need is a roster. You look at the stats. You, you know, good guard play, senior guard averages fifteen <laughs> points a game, leader. You know, all that stuff. Remember out of nowhere, we made a star out of Ty Mel Murphy? Ty Murphy. That's our that guy. Was, that was just us, like, BSing. If VG's listening right now, VG, I, I saw VG and Ty Mel, they are still tweeting at each other. They, it's great. VG has kept that relationship over the years. Friendships for life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what school did he play for? Just some guy that we had. Uh, it was like a South Florida school. Started tweeting out. I don't even know how that started. I think one day we were like giving out picks on the air and like we went right. crazy. But like we had no reason to back this team. So we just were like, well, Ty Mel Murphy's on the team. And like he actually like went off and had a like a pretty big game. Yeah, it was us, VG, and another former producer here. Yeah, it was like four of us. Forged this relationship with uh, Ty Mel Murphy. That's right. Yeah. So, um, but, but. Uh, one thing I did have an issue with the TNT broadcast. I, I, as I said, I love that studio show. Even, even though Shaq is is annoying, um, I enjoy the studio show. But w- when they were coming back, um, from break, one thing they had said is they're playing Will Smith. They're playing getting jiggy with it, and they were were saying that Will Smith is like Philly. He's a Philly he's guy. Hollywood. Will Smith is not a Philly guy. All right, Will Smith has lost all his Philly credibility. 
He is not a Philly guy. Isn't the, it? His whole story is when it got tough, he bailed and went to California. Right. And the fact that is he still, uh, you know, does he still have a minority ownership stake with the Sixers? I know he did. I think he does, actually. Yeah. Where is he? Like, Will Smith should be a face for the Philadelphia no, 76ers. He is, he is like, no, he is like. I don't think he's like even like one percent. No, he he wants nothing to do with this city. He wants nothing to do with the Sixers. So I, I did have issue with that. Uh, that that they were saying Will Smith is Philly, and we'll do this for the rest of the show. If you want to just throw in who's who's a Philly guy, you know who's somebody that you think is a Philly guy. It doesn't need to be an athlete, or it can be if you want. But you know who's a good embodiment of Philly, like like Bradley Cooper. I don't see him as a Philly guy really either. You know, he's a little too uppity to be a, a Philly guy. You know, he's sitting with Lori in the box. If you're a real Philly guy, you're out in the crowd with the people, you know? Uh, like Bobby Abreu. Right, Bobby Abreu. But he's not a Philly guy because he, he pulled up short of the wall. Now Ryan's going to be really mad. Well, no, he, um, Bobby Abreu and I, game four of the Sixers-Raptors series, we shared the escalator together. Is that right? Yeah. He's a big I- basketball fan, Bobby. Well, the day before, Rollins had like his Phillies retirement, uh, like party or whatever. So, oh, and they're buddies. Yeah, so I think Abreu was just in town. And went, but he sat, like he sat near my section. He's a Philly guy. Okay. Well, there you go. So Bobby Abreu is Mike's nominee. Uh, for for who's a, a, a Philly guy? Nominee. Yeah, it is, it is. But if somebody wants to get in on that, you're welcome to. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two. 9494 is how you join the show. Um, but I want to get to the Sixers real quick. As uh, they uh, beat the, the Dallas Mavericks on Thursday night, um, a, a pretty convincing win. Uh, it was kind of close in the second quarter. Sixers go on a big run prior to halftime. Mavs cut it back into single digits. Uh, early in the third quarter, and then the Sixers just run away with this game. And, man, watching this game, one of my takeaways is what a what a great trade. <laughs> Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson stinks, okay? That, like, uh, he's just not very good. I don't know. He That must have just been a Miami thing where Spolster is such, just such a great coach because I do think Spolster is the best coach in the NBA, and – you know, he just made Josh Richardson look a lot better than Josh Richardson is. But what does he do well? He's, you can find Josh Richardson anywhere. That, I would have, like, I would argue with, like, last year, because for some reason he was, like, a fan favorite, like, when he first got here. It's like, what What are his skills? Like, what, like where? what's his skills? Like, what's in his bag? Like, he what does plays he have? hard. He plays hard. He's a decent yeah, sometimes. defender. He'll take off, like, two weeks at a time. He's just a very average player. Like, he's very average. You can find him anywhere. And the fact that he's on... The final year of a $12 million deal, you get Seth Curry for three years at, at $8 million per year. That's a great value for a guy like that with with a tangible skill that you legitimately need on this team. Right. Yeah, and actually, th- I thought his effort in the bubble was appalling. It was His effort level was more concerning than Embiid. Appalling. Wow, that's a strong, strong word right there. Do you remember how, like, how... Like out of it, he was like he was just dazed and like not even like locked in on anything. Yeah, and he, part of it too is man, he takes so long to get his shot off. Yeah. Like it is, it, it it's terrible. And Seth Curry said after the game, uh, Keith Pompey, I believe, asked him, uh, "Was there any extra motivation?" Seth Curry said, "Not really any extra motivation. I just think Dallas made a bad business decision." <laughs> Which you know, uh, he's right about that. It was a bad trade for the Mavs. If you're Dallas, why wouldn't you want Luca to have shooters? 
around you. Like it really made no sense on their end. Uh, yeah, no, it didn't. It, it was not a good trade, and I think they just, you know, thought Josh Richardson was better than he was. But you look at this game, and one of the big stories of it was Ben Simmons, who uh, was very good in this game defensively, as usual. Um, did a nice job on Luka Doncic. We'll get some uh, some sound on that in a minute. But Ben Simmons voted the All-Star team, as we all know at this point. Um, and we played this last night, but I want to play it again because Doc Rivers, leading up to the selection of the All-Star teams, he was apparently calling around, lobbying for his players because the coaches vote on the reserves. And it's something that coaches do all the time. But this just tells you what the league thinks of Ben Simmons. Like, as fans and media, like, we dissect everything and we pick everything apart. And Ben Simmons, as I've said before, uh, when you compare the criticism that he's received compared to the criticism that Carson Wentz has received, Ben Simmons has been way more criticized than Carson Wentz has. Yet, Ben Simmons is viewed by the people in the NBA, the people who are experts at this stuff, like a, a, a star. And it's so telling when... Doc Rivers said he called around asking about Ben Simmons, and this is what he heard back from the other coaches. I think, you know, coaches look at the whole game. You know, they look at all the things that Ben does. It's funny, every coach I talk to, like literally every Eastern coach I talk to when I said, hey, I'm calling on, on, on behalf of Ben and Tobias, and they were like, Ben, why are you calling about him? You know, it, it was funny how they looked at it and how the outside world looked at it. And it's true. Like, we have become – so hyper-focused on on the shot, which really doesn't even matter that much. Like, it, it doesn't. And for for everybody that wants Ben Simmons to take threes, how many times does the defense defending Ben Simmons the way he's defended, how many times this, does that result in an open three for an actually good three-point shooter? Where uh, they sag off, Sixers just run a dribble handoff, and there's a wide-open three for a Seth Curry or a Danny Green or, or a Shake Milton. So, you know, when you look at the greater context of the games and Ben Simmons, what he does defensively, what he does leading the break, what he does rebounding the basketball, those are things uh, that are wildly valuable. And it's beyond just scoring the ball, beyond just shooting. And and here was Ben on the Eastern Conference coaches uh, appreciating what he does. I think that means more than, you know, fan votes and things like that, personally for me, just because... You know, they, they see the game. They know the game. Um, they're coaching the games every night. You know, they see the talent out there. and There's a lot of talented guys out there. Um, but I'm a tired player who can do a lot of things on the floor. Uh, I'm glad, you know, a lot of coaches appreciate that and see that. And it's true. And, you know, when you look at, at you know, that, that might sound to some uh, like arrogance. But it's really, it's really not arrogance. Like, I think it's just, you know, it's it's just the truth. And, Ben Simmons absolutely should be an all-star. Now, Tobias Harris, I know people are upset saying he got snubbed. I don't think Tobias Harris should have made the all-star team. Like, I, I, who are you taking off to put Tobias Harris on? What, what is your take on that, Mike? Uh, because this was something that, that uh, some people were upset about. Right. I don't think Tobias sh- should have been on the team personally yeah that well uh my voice there that was jody's take it was i don't really see the case for it he uh ben pretty much hasn't beaten everything except tobias scores four more points a game than him and you jody know. doesn't think harris should have made it over ben right no that's that's what he thought oh 
Oh. Yeah, I no, I don't I don't believe so. I I think if you're if you're putting Tobias on I mean maybe you take off Vucevic but he's yeah. the backup center. Right. So well, I mean, it's like, almost like he made that because position issues. It's like with Ben, it's like let's start with the fact that for 50% of the game he's the best at it. Yeah, like, like, let's just start with that. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to make it all about shooting and scoring the basketball. That's what we're not going to do. And yeah, Ben Ben deserved to make it. And Tobias Harris, unfortunately, uh, while Tobias having a very good year, I don't think he's an all-star. Here's what I'm not going to do. There you go. Um, who was that, by the way? Oh, middle. Here's what I'm not going to do. Right. Uh, well, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go over the luxury tax for the second wild card. Right. That's and, what I'm not going to do. Right. And so much of Ben's game is because of how good he is uh, defensively. And he braces that challenge. And he was asked after the game, uh, you know, about his defense and whether he kind of gets up for some of these matchups with guys like Luka Doncic. Just being me, doing what I do. Um, you know, I like taking those challenges. You know, I said this over and over again. Um, you know, just tell me who to guard. And he was clearly frustrating Luka. Um, and here was Luka when uh, asked after the game about Ben's defense on him. I don't really pay attention. It wasn't me. You know, I just trying to play, uh, play my game. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be, I'm going to play better, sometimes worse, you know. And, you know, I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that he was affected by Ben when, yeah, and by the way, Luca Luca's got to be better with shot selection. He takes some really bad shots. I know that team is so built around him, but he settles for that step back three way too much. Way too much. I'm not him, so I can't. I don't know if I'm right on this. It seems like he does it early to get in the flow of it, so then in the fourth when he needs it, it's there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, we all remember the the three hit against the Clippers last year in the playoffs. Double bang. Yeah, that's right. The double bang from uh from from Mike Breen. But um, I, I think Luca's shot selection could be better, and they got to fill out the rest of that roster because the, the, man, that team, the rest of that roster is not very good. Willie Cauley Stein is terrible. Like he is a okay. terrible basketball player. I think he's. I think he's atrocious. I think he's useful. Um, yeah, I mean they miss Perzing- they, Like they miss what they thought Perzingis is. I. I, I don't think he's ever going to be healthy. Like he's just. He's going to be like Yao Ming. Right. And um, you know, one more on Ben uh, because Ben has said he wants to win Defensive Player in the of the year. He wants to be the best, or he thinks he is the best defender in the league. And uh, here was the White Howard who also had a pretty good night talking about Ben and his defense. You know, I'm very happy to see. You know how well, you know, uh, Ben has been playing on defense. You know, it's been amazing. He's picking up guards. He's playing bigs. He's playing one through five. You know, a couple of games ago he played uh, – he was uh, playing against uh, Rudy Gobert. And now he's playing against Luka. You know, he's taking the the, 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 the the idea that I can play anybody, I can check anybody on defense. And, you know, I believe he's uh, the, the best defensive player in the league right now. And uh, he's doing an amazing job. And, you know, he does have that capability. And it's, it's when you look back at, at the, the James Harden trade, and I understand why people think it, it was a mistake not to make that move, but I got to say, I'm kind of happy at this point the Sixers didn't do it because you can't make moves solely based on what other teams might do. Like, and... Keeping Ben Simmons with Joel Embiid, I think this team 
can make moves around those two guys and still beat Brooklyn. And I mean, I just wonder if we were sitting here and the Sixers had made that deal. First of all, I think Houston may end up, I mean, they got a good hole, so maybe not, but they could very well end up regretting not doing the deal for Ben Simmons if that was on the table. And I do think it was on the table that Ben Simmons would have been uh, dealt for Brooklyn. But I think the Sixers can build this thing around Ben and Embiid and and win a championship. And you can't take Ben Simmons' defense for granted. I mean, we've been big Ben defenders on this show. Just hell hum, another thing we've been we've been right about here. I mean, it's been a decent stretch for for Mike and I. Uh, so maybe people want to listen to us about Howie and Jeffrey Laurie. Was, like the Simmons thing in my mind, it was never like a it never should have been a, a, a issue for debate. Like it was just like this guy's good and that's that right and people get so hyper focused on the shooting that you neglect to look at all the other things he does but do you appreciate ben simmons like he is not appreciated nearly enough in this town and it's just so funny because i look at it and we talked about this a couple weeks ago where you compare the criticism that he's got to, to the criticism Wentz got or the lack of criticism ben simmons legitimately is somebody that would have a gripe or or you know if with 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 the kind of, of scrutiny he's under, but he doesn't care about it. And that's a good thing. Like people were saying, like, why isn't Ben listening? Why isn't he shooting more? Why isn't he taking people's advice? Cause he doesn't care. And I don't want him to care. Is Ben a Philly guy? Is Ben a Philly guy? Um, I think, I think, I think ben, there's a case to be made. I think Ben is much more of a Philly guy than people give him credit for. Cause I think he works hard and he plays hard. And I think that's part of it. And also, um, when Ben was asked, uh, biggest difference between last year and this year on the TNT uh, post-game interview, first thing he said, Mike, Doc's holding guys accountable. Ke- uh, I thought he said chemistry. Well, he said chemistry and Doc's holding yeah. guys accountable. So a little shot of your boy Brett there. That's the way I took it. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's you know it, it agrees with our boy Richardson. That was his take. Uh, Josh Richardson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um Ben Ben Simmons uh, is 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 a tremendous tremendous player, and he's so important in this team. Does so many things uh, that 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 people don't give him enough credit for. Um, and you know we got to stop focusing on the shooting. It's just not all that important. Uh, there are other guys that can handle that. Uh, ben Simmons creates more open threes than any other player in the league. And it's time we start appreciating him for the difference-making player on both ends of the floor that he is. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh... You talking? We we're talking about Philly guys, and and I heard the Levi uh, sounder coming back. We'll talk in the next segment about um, the big Levi that is going to be announced in the morning show at seven twenty five. It is the it, it is the award that that uh, everybody uh, is waiting to to hear announced. The Levi that everybody wants to know wants to know um, who is going to be voted on. That's best athlete, and the ultimate Philly guy needs to win that award. We'll get to that in the next segment, but we do have some suggestions via Twitter on Philly guys. And I need your Philly guy suggestions as you call in the absurd TNT um, 
broadcast. I, I the broadcast is good. I'm not saying the broadcast isn't good. I love that that inside the NBA. But uh, them saying that Will Smith is a Philly guy. Will Smith is not a Philly guy. He has turned his back on Philly. He's a, he's a Cali guy. Um, so he can stay out there, you know, and 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 do his bad movies and his bad music. But um, I want your Philly guys. Kevin says Jameer Nelson, Philly guy. I think that's a good one. Jameer's a Philly guy. Uh, Lauren says Jaws. Yeah, Jaws is a Philly guy. Yeah, Jaws is a Philly guy. He is. Um, and then, of course, Ryan, Bobby Abreu with a, a, a video clip of Bobby Abreu slamming into the the wall. I believe, well, it's actually a montage of several different uh, clips of Bobby Abreu um, slamming into the wall. Yeah, because um, it was a myth that he ever Wow, did. that was a nice one. He robbed a homer. I think it is at Shea Stadium, I think. Wow. Yeah, I mean the guy's a Gold Glove winner. Like this whole like Bobby Abreu's afraid of baseball is like a myth. Yeah, well, I guess I I just don't feel all that strongly about it. Um, but if you do, uh, you're welcome to. But give me your Philly guys. Two one five. He's leading the votes, you know, with two. Yeah, that's true. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, let's go to Joe in the Northeast. What's up, Joe? Hello, Joe. Joe. Here's my thing. How did nobody say Brian Dawkins when they were talking Philly guys? There you go. I mean, he's the he he's a he is a a Philly guy, no doubt about it, Joe. Brian Dawkins is the Philly guy. That, like, there's nobody more Philly than Brian Dawkins. Will Smith is a turd. He needs to stay out in California. <laughs> I right? agree. I agree with you. Will Smith. He used to be a Philly guy, maybe at one point in his life, uh, but no longer, Joe. Listen, if you're gonna make a song West Philadelphia, born all that crap, yeah. Listen, Will Smith is a turd. Brian Dawkins is an absolute Philly guy. If you really got to come down to, it, you think who's a more Philly? Like you come down to guys like uh, like Chase Utley is a big Philly guy. Like but it comes like it's because of his his success here. You know what I mean? Everything like that. Brian Dawkins didn't win a Super Bowl here, but he's still like he's still so proud to be here. I'd say even like guys like Tio are, are super proud to be part of Philadelphia. It just didn't work out for Tio. You know what I mean? No, Tio, T- Joe, Tio's not a Philly guy. Tio, no, no, no. My, Tio's my, a I'm rat. Just, oh, yeah, I'm giving you. I, I'm giving you a small example. Yeah. I think he regrets that it didn't work out for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, Tio, Tio's the blame for his own issues. I, for, I, no, for sure. I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. No, I. Got I would you. say if you got to come down to one guy that's a Philly guy in my mind, and I think in many people's minds, it just be Brian Dawkins without a debate. Period. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he definitely is a, a Philly guy, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, he's one of the most beloved athletes ever here, Joe. So I yeah. agree with you on that. I mean, are we talking more guys that are from Philly or just guys that uh, are No, Philly people crowds? that embody the, the city of Philadelphia. Well, then forget it. Don't forget it. Just look no further than Brian Dawkins. Dawkins. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely so I have a question. I have a question for you. What, what is your thoughts on um, the, the Sirianni hiring? I mean, Joe, I, I, I don't love it. I, I don't love that they fired Doug to begin with. Like that, that's, no, that's my issue. Guy. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they should have fired Doug to begin with. I'm willing to give Sirianni a chance. I mean, he seems like a, a, a really good guy. He seems like a guy who cares, and and he has a lot of emotion. We we have some sound from him a little later on that we're going to play, um, but. You know, he seems like a guy who's very passionate about his job, uh, loves football, and I hope it works out. But based on his credentials, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily love the hire. 
I hear you, and I understand what you're saying, but listen, my mom really sounds like she cares, and she really like right, is real right. passionate about her job, too. But like, I don't want her to coach my football Agreed. team. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you, Joe. I, 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 kinda, just, I kind of feel the same way. I'm willing to give the guy a shot, but um, you know, I, I would if I was given the choice, I'd rather have Doug back. I'm 100% with you. We definitely got rid of the wrong guy. Howie's got to go. That dude's such a turd. He's got to go, man. He's got to beat it. Yeah, I, well, but Joe, who do you think's more to blame, Howie or Jeffrey Lurie? Because I think Jeffrey Lurie uh, well, is Jeff, the bigger issue. Listen, it, it all the shit rolls downhill. Excuse my language, but I mean, Jeff- was that? Uh, I think we lost. Uh, I think we lost him there. A uh, little uh, du- double uh, double dump action. I think it's don't he, have to do that too often. He clearly was aware of. He's getting the, emotional. I mean, that's fine. It's easy. Uh, I, I will say he was at clearly a Philly guy. I was going to say, he clearly was aware of another word you can say for that word, because he said it a few other times in the right. conversation. Right. <laughs> he just slipped up that time. Well, you know, it happens. Uh, no ill will. Uh, you know, uh, call back in the future. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Uh, let's go to John. Let's talk about the Sixers. What's up, John? Hey, TK. What's up, man? How about, how about poop shoot? Poop rolls down here. That would have been better, right? Yeah, sure. That would have been that would have been fine, John. Uh, hey, listen. Let, let me give you my Philly guy real quick before I talk Ben Simmons. Sure. Uh, the executioner, Bernard Hopkins, is definitely the number one Philly guy. There you go. I mean, yeah. he he is. I mean, I mean, he just... is a Philly guy, and he is a Philly guy. It's, I mean, he's the guy. Well, a guy who can fight for that long. I mean. Uh, that that that's toughness, and and Philly is toughness. Yeah. There you go. I mean, and, and when you when you lose a big part of your, you know, career to prison, and then you come out and you do everything that guy's done, and you know you still you're in the city and you're doing all kinds of stuff for the city. I mean, that that's the ultimate Philly guy, in my opinion. So. Yeah. Well, do you think, now, John? I, do you and think? I love, and I love golf, you know. But you know, listen, you know, if you, if you have a guy who's from the city. And who is ultimately Philly? You have to go with him. So, John, do you think uh, Bernard Hopkins should have been nominated for Best Athlete uh, for our, our WIP awards here? Uh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. And like you said, anybody who can play for that long at that level, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because Ray Ray Dinger said he would have voted for Bernard, Bernard Hopkins, and it hadn't even occurred to me uh, to have Bernard Hopkins in there for best athlete. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting omission. All right, so my take on Ben Simmons is is probably the same as yours. I've been I've been trying to talk to people who are always like, "Oh, Ben Simmons is uh, is such a failure. It's, it's a horrible." I'm like, I, I try to tell like I have a son who I thought I educated very well. You know, in sports, and he's always down on Ben Simmons. And I always tell him, look at the line, okay? Look at the line at the end of the night. Assists, steals, blocks, points. And then there's one thing you you have to put in there, which is also very important. When you hold another team's best scorer to five to ten points below their average, you're affecting the game in a huge way. Like, that's a, he's a superstar. People don't want to give him credit. This guy is a superstar. That's the bottom line. I mean, when you can affect the game, you know, in a 35 to 40 point range every game, that's a superstar and absolutely should have been an all star. 
Absolutely, John. And people don't see that. And it's why, you know, I understand why people wanted James Harden. But if you give up yeah. Ben Simmons for James Harden, in many ways, it is it is a um, in it's many a ways, it's a lateral move because, yeah, James Absolutely. Harden's giving you 20 more points on the offensive end. Um, but he's but he, right. But he's costing you 20 points on the, on the defensive. Yeah. End. And, you know. Shoot, what was I going to say? I, I, I just, you know, I just get hung. I, I get the people get too hung up on, you know, the average, and and that average is going to come up. The better that, and if you give him, oh, I know what I was going to say. If you give him just one more shooter, I mean, I think they thought Green was going to be a little bit better, but you give him one more legit knockdowner, I mean, and his assists are going to go, are going to be over ten every night because I don't know how many times I see him work the ball and get a guy a wide open three and he just hikes it. You know, so you give him one more legit shooter that can spot up, I mean, his assists are probably going to go over 10 a night. Yeah, no doubt about so. it, John. And I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And, yeah, that's why when you look at the trade deadline – the Sixers need to get more shoot, and this is the thing. Even when they add one of the best three point shooters in the league in Seth Curry and Danny Green, who's a decent three point shooter, they still don't have nearly enough shooting. That tells you how poorly the roster was built last season. Like they need more guys who can knock down those threes. Ben Simmons will create a lot of open looks. You need more pieces. Um, and uh, you know when you look at Kyle Lowry, and that's the rumor out there right now. Kyle Lowry could be available that he would be interested in coming back to Philly. And I do think he would. Kyle Lowry's a Philly guy, speaking of Philly guys. Um, but I, I I don't know if I'm that excited about Kyle Lowry. Like, I either would want to go bigger than Kyle Lowry and go after a Levine, somebody like that, or I'm just focused on filling out the bench and upgrading, you know, from Danny Green and upgrading from Cork Maz and from Mike Scott. But I... Kyle Lowry, you know, I'm not, I don't want to give up Tyrese Maxey really for, for Kyle Lowry. I'll give up Maxey for Zach Levine, somebody like that. But Kyle Lowry, is he a good enough shooter to, to, to bring in? Like, I figure you're probably moving Danny Green in that deal too. Um, so I, 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 I'm kind of conflicted on Kyle Lowry. I like him, but if it, if it is between Kyle Lowry and that's really your only addition or you can get two to three legit, legitimate bench pieces that can help you, I'd probably rather take the bench pieces. And, you know, maybe I, I kind of count Danny Green as a member of the bench. Maybe then you could bring a guy in to start in his spot. You relegate him to the bench. Um, but Kyle Lowry doesn't do it for me where that can be your only addition. If you go after and get a guy like Zach Levine, that can be your only addition. But if you're getting a guy like Kyle Lowry, I, I still think that you would have work to do. And uh, our, our Glenn Robinson III is available. So maybe you can go get him, Mike. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, you could sign him. And if you sign him now, maybe he'll be here by what? St. Paddy's Day. Yeah, and is there enough time for him to learn his role, though? Yeah, is there enough time? Well, well, we just let's just get him here first. I mean, yeah. we all know how that long that process itself. took last yeah. year. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, no, I don't. I'll never forget that meme of, um, where they're on like horses, he and Trey Burke, Alec Burks or Alec Burks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They they had both of them last year. Yeah. Trey. Yeah. And Trey Burke, they let go. And then he had a great postseason for Dallas and turned himself into a, he had a what? A a great postseason. They won two games. 
Yeah, but he he was very instrumental in those two games. Okay. We had a great bubble run. Maybe that right. I just count the bubble as the playoffs, okay. but you know what I mean there. Um we also have some more Philly guy suggestions here. Uh Jeff says is Carson a Philly guy? Get out of here. Carson's not a Philly guy. Uh Joe Frazier. Um yeah, Joe Frazier, obviously. My dad was Joe Frazier's paper boy, by the way. Uh I don't know if I ever mentioned that before. I think I did. Um and uh M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I guess, you know, he's goes to Sixers games. I you know, I I guess you consider him a Philly guy. Perhaps. So do, so do Knicks fans. Yeah. So uh, keep your Philly guy suggestions coming in. When we get back, uh, we'll recap the winners of Thursday's Levi's, um, which I thought the audience did a better job, so kudos to you. And we will preview Fridays. Two of these categories are already are already locks. We know who's going to win them. Um, but the best athlete in the morning, uh, this one needs to go to the ultimate Philly guy. And we will uh, talk about that coming up next. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, in a few minutes, we will um, we'll, we'll uh, break down uh, a couple of these Levi's from Thursday and, and who's going to get the final Levi's on Friday. It's been a fun week of WIP awards uh, coming to an end, but I do got to throw out a couple more Philly guy suggestions real quick. Getting a lot of run on this on Twitter here. Uh, Scott says Mike Trout. Uh, I, would say, I would say yes. I know a lot of people don't like Mike Trout. I have no problem with Mike Trout. You know, I don't have. What do you think of Mike Trout? There, Mike Angelini. He he, a Philly guy or, or is he a Cali guy now? I think he's a Cali guy and a New Jersey guy. Okay, well, you know, he goes to goes to Eagles games. I I like that. Uh, you know, the the commitment. I like the commitment of Mike Trout because he's not playing the playoffs. And what else is he gonna do? Is it a commitment or is he? Committed to yeah, his team, he's committed yeah. to his, his squad, right. and uh, wait. So, just if you're a sports fan of any Philadelphia team, you're just well, a Philly no, guy. I mean, you know, he's he's uh, he's out there support supporting the team, like Putty. Got to support the team, but that makes him a Philly guy. I think it does. I think that, it does. that's it. Yeah. Um, so Will Smith's a Philly guy. No, Will Smith doesn't support the team though. He's he's been to Sixers games. I've seen him. Yeah. No. No. He's that. He Will Smith is a fraud Philly guy. Trying, He's a former Philly guy. Trying to figure out this criteria here. Well, it, it, it varies. It varies. Subjective. It, it is subjective. Of course it is. Uh, Rock says Mickey Morandini uh, because of his gritty style of playing the game. What do you think of Mickey? Um, one opening day I ran into him. It was like right after he got fired as a first base coach. He was like a club ambassador. And he was like, for some reason. When was he the first base lo- coach? Uh, you know, Sandberg era, maybe. Ah, oh, yeah, I wasn't watching the Phillies then. I couldn't watch. <laughs> um, yeah, but he was uh, he was at an opening day tailgate, like pretty loaded. So to me, that makes him a Philly guy. Okay, well there you go. Um, yeah, tailgate pregame opening day. So, yeah, yeah, that counts, uh, of course. Uh, so keep your Philly guy suggestions coming in. But I, I want to get to the WIP awards real quick because uh, today is the last day, and the winners from Thursday. No uh, surprises here. Uh, best team went to the 2017 Eagles. That was obvious. Anything related to the 2017 Eagles, they're going to win that award. Like, 
best game is later on today. Uh, I feel pretty. Co- I would wager, like all the money that I have, that the Super Bowl is going to win that. That should have just been Monday, right? Like, <laughs> and that's the last category. Super Bowl Fifty Two is going to be yeah. um, uh, the best game. Best Eagles players being announced on midday. That's going to be Dawkins, of course. Uh, so those two are locks now. Um, best Phillies player. Uh, we got that one right. It, it is Chase Utley. Um, and while I believe that, you know, uh, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, maybe were better overall players. Like Ryan Howard was the most valuable player on that team. I always will believe that 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 offense doesn't work without Ryan Howard in the middle of it. Uh, Ryan Howard. People point to the postseason numbers. Well, 08, they don't even get to the postseason if Ryan Howard doesn't go absolutely insane in September. Uh, so Ryan Howard was the most valuable player. Jimmy Rollins probably the best overall player, but but Chase was the best Philly as far as, you know, being a Philly guy and representing uh, the city and being like the emotional leader. So, or the leader on the field, rather. So Chase wins that one and biggest blunder. I knew it was going to win, unfortunately. It was, it was Donovan. It was Donovan... Uh, Throwing up in the Super Bowl, um, which kind of upset me, but it, not surprising. I knew that was going to win because people can't get over uh, the Donovan stuff. It's, it's just terrible. Well, you know, throwing up on the biggest stage in sports is quite a blunder. It should have been the confetti, though. You'd agree on that. That's a funnier blunder. Well, yeah, I mean, the other one's just annoying. Yeah. The other one shaped his legacy. Yeah. But uh, best athlete is the big one. And that's going to be announced on the morning show today at 725. And, you know, the the caller last segment brought up Brian Dawkins and how he's a Philly guy. And none of that is is untrue. Brian Dawkins is a Philly guy, but he is not the ultimate Philly guy. And um, when we did the GOAT contest, uh, the GOAT of Broad Street back during the summer, the callers got it right. The audience got it right. And I hope they get it right again. Because Allen Iverson is the best athlete over the last 20 years. And Allen Iverson should absolutely win this award on Friday morning. And I love Brian Dawkins. I love Nick Foles. Even though Nick Foles being nominated for this is a, is a disgrace. It really is. It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, Chase, Jimmy, Ryan Howard. Love all those guys. Uh G is, you know, G's fine, but Allen Iverson needs to win this award. Uh, and, you know, in the end, it's going to be between Allen Iverson and Brian Dawkins. Pretty much everything over the last 20 years comes down to those two. Um, but uh, Allen Iverson was, it, it's hard to even explain to both older people and younger people how important he was to, like, our generation. You know, when when uh, Mike and I are growing up, and I'm a little older, but not too much, Allen Iverson was, like, everybody's idol, you know, and just the way he played, the way he represented the city, Allen Iverson is the ultimate Philly guy, and he should win Best Athlete. Like, you can't have this Best Athlete award and not give it to AI, right, Mike? He's the go-to Broad Street, yeah. I mean, he look, he's he was a better football player than Brian Dawkins was a Football, he was a better basketball player than Brian Dawkins was a football player. Yeah, absolutely, and he was way more important, more important than the team. And I, I, it's not a hating on Brian Dawkins, but Allen Iverson was. I mean that uh, that season was, even though it didn't end in a championship, maybe the most fun season ever, the most fun playoff run. It was just incredible, and 
Um, I hope they get it right. I think they will, that Allen Iverson uh, will once again uh, win, this time, Best Athlete and the inaugural uh, Best Athlete Levi Award for the last 20 years. Allen Iverson, the best athlete since 2000. And it's not even well, close to my opinion. Best the last 50 years. Yeah, best. And, and you know what? Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Very determined. And, and you know, I... I, I, I uh, Mike Schmidt is a great player. I didn't. I didn't like the. I didn't love the condescension. I didn't love the condescension when he was interviewed. Um, and you know he he gave very you know condescending answers about Allen Iverson being voted go to Broad Street. Well, who the hell was number it, one? Yeah, you know what? Eh, d- take it easy there, Schmitty. Um, Schmitty was a hell of a player, but the the voters have spoken. And you know you number. There's no shame in being second best. Allen Iverson's the best, and he always will be. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Unless Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons win a championship, then then Joel Embiid will be the best. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, let's go to Adrian. What's up, Adrian? Hey, why are you always comment on stuff that you don't really know nothing about? What are you talking about? What do I not oh, know? Talking about, about Will Smith is not a Philly guy. Will Smith's not. Will Smith is a. Will you Smith is a fraud. Let, let me just say something to you. Oh, give me a so, break. So, so, let me let you know because I'm a. I live in Philly. I've been living in Philly my last last 54 years. I, I'm Philly. Okay. Will Smith is Philly. He does so much for the community. He's a he fraud. gives back so much money for the community, and he always look out for the community since he's been. A Philly guy. So don't say he's not no Philly guy. When's, Dude, I, I these when's guys, the last time you've seen Will Smith represent Philly, Philly, Adrian? Say it again? When's the last time you've seen Will Smith represent Philly? He partially owns the Sixers. He's never at a game. He doesn't give a damn about the team. You say stuff that you don't know nothing about. What are you he talking about? Listen to me. He comes to games. He gives his tickets to kids in school. He does a lot for Philly that you just don't know. So don't ever hear nobody tell you that he's not a Philly guy because you just don't know. You're not a Philly guy if you don't know Will Smith's a Philly guy. Will Smith's, <laughs> Will Smith's an L.A. guy, and that's okay. He, he no, wants I to mean, be an L.A. guy, that's fine. That now, but he was born and raised here in Philly. Hey, y'all guys give guys this Philly guy. Like, I would give Aaron McKee. Aaron McKee's a Philly guy. This guy comes from North Philly, one of the toughest parts of Philly. Yeah, no, he is. well. And represent it well, not a scratch and not nothing. You can say anything bad about Aaron McKee. Uh, so, I mean, have you seen his basketball team this year, Adrian? Hey, well, look, you got to understand. Hey, listen, he he came from North Philly. He's a coach of a, of a Division One basketball team. Just that alone. I know, but that doesn't mean he's immune from <laughs> criticism. I mean, I don't like yeah, what I mean, I've seen from my owls this year. No, I'm just saying, I can understand you criticize them, but don't say guys ain't Philly guys and you just don't know if they're not Philly guys or not. It's the same thing. The same, I'm not surprised Mike ain't calling you on it because Mike usually calls you on it. Well, you, well, you, well, well, you try to say. When Embiid and Autumn played that time, and Embiid only had four points. Did Will Smith? <laughs> did Will Smith ever make a song? Well, uh, welcome to Philly. No, welcome to uh, Miami. He reps all these other cities. He doesn't care about Philly. Get oh out man, you must, uh, <laughs> you must ain't hear the first Prince. That is a catchy song, hear, by the way. You must hear the song that comes on when the first Prince come on. He's been he living off. Know. He's been living off that he song for thirty know. years. He's been <laughs> living off that song for thirty years. Man, come, come on. on, you just said a song, and that's hey, look. His first, his first TV show. That's the first thing he brought up. A song about Philly. Yeah, and then he sold out. Yeah, and Mike's right. Mike's right. You know what that song was about, Adrian? That was about him getting the hell out of Philly. Hey, listen. What does that tell you? you? Let let, let me explain this to you. You you ever heard the the song that he sang, "Summertime"? You know what that was? Yeah, of course. 
time, the plateau. You ever been to the plateau before? No, because you're not a Philly guy. Adrian, I've lived, lived in the I've I've lived in New Philadelphia for twelve years. Yeah, I, I, I've actually seen you at the plateau. Yeah. <laughs> you have? Yeah, when we had, we had that play day. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, you know what? I was there. I was there. That's right. Good point, Mike. <laughs> hey Mike, way to help him out. He don't know where he's at. <laughs> That's true. What do you got, Adrian? What else you got? Oh man. Hey look. Um I don't know. I mean, you come on the show every night and you talk about the the Eagles for a whole hour. When you when the Sixers play the night that the Sixers play. Talk come on talking Sixers. Adrian You can talk and, about whatever you want. You know what I mean? Okay. No, I'm just I'm just saying though. I mean, you, we got a team that's in first place, and the first thing you do is talk about a team that was 4-11-1 and, and that's in dismantle. They dismantle. It's, it's, it's almost like a circus. Down. And guess what? Guess who the lead clown is? You. <laughs> All right. Well, Adrian, if you don't have anything to talk about, I'm going to get rid of you. Like, I, he can, Adrian can talk about the Sixers. Like, I don't expect Adrian to care about the Eagles. He's not an Eagles fan. But, you know, the, the – we're going to talk about the Eagles. Like, they're the football team in the city. Uh, you know, if you want to do Giants talk, you know, listen to You know, I don't know. Uh, I get it. Like, I get why Adrian doesn't care about the Eagles. But uh, if you want to talk Sixers, talk Sixers. It's fine. We talk about whatever. We're, we're, we're open-minded on this show. Uh, so we'll talk about whatever you want. But, you know, Adrian just uh, wants to complain as usual and, you know, that's what he wants to do. That's fine. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 to join the show. Um, as we have talked about, the, the uh, Levi's wrapping up today. So we will, uh, when we get back, do a couple predictions for next year's Levi's. That's something we'll do throughout the rest of the show, uh, projecting forward over the next year. So we'll do that. And also, we will check in down in Clearwater. Uh, with Bryce Harper, Joe Girardi, um, and uh, check in with them. Uh, Bryce Harper spoke on Thursday. Joe Girardi joined the morning show earlier this week. Uh, so we'll hear from both the star player and the manager when we get back uh, in terms of where this team is and how things are looking uh, heading into 2021. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another hour plus here. If you want to get into 15-592-9494. Mike and I just uh, shooting the breeze during the break here, talking a little quarterback uh, stuff in the NFL. And very interesting um, stuff coming out about Russell Wilson, which uh, we'll get to uh, as you know, he it's weird. So he hasn't demanded a trade but he'd be open to a trade and he has four teams on his list um so he's listed the the Cowboys the Bears the Saints and the Raiders and he definitely is getting that out there for a reason right now right because this is a situation where these are all teams that could potentially make you know massive decisions at the quarterback position this offseason um, so 
What do you think, Mike? Do you think there's a chance he actually gets traded? Like, no, I, not yet. Like, not for another like eighteen months. I mean, he's getting those teams out there for a reason, though, right? Like, I I definitely think all four of those teams are going to go to Seattle, and if if one of them makes like a a Godfather offer, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that team is good enough to to go back to a Super Bowl right now, like. As they're currently configured without cap space, and this is the situation that you get in with paying quarterbacks. And I really do think it might change the mentality moving forward. Where if you're not, if you don't have like a top five guy, and Russell Wilson is that, so it complicates things a little bit. But if you don't have like a top five guy, I could see teams maybe just start cycling through and just, you know. Okay, guy gets done his rookie deal, draft another guy. He gets done his rookie deal, draft another guy. Yeah, some people thought the Rams were going to do that, and they did the opposite. They said, oh, we, we need to lock up Jared Goff. Right, but then, but that proved to be a mistake. You I know agree, what I mean? yeah. No, yeah. It, it was good in theory to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at all the teams. To, I mean, the, look, the Ravens, they're going to have a problem when, when they have to give Jackson his contract. Yeah, and I just wondered, like, if you're Seattle and you know you're not good enough and you're in a really good division – Maybe you think, okay, well, let's reset for two years. Let's get, I mean, you could probably get three, maybe four first-rounders for Russell Wilson. Maybe you do reset for a couple years, uh, get all these assets, and um, not necessarily tank, but that's a division where even if they if they keep Russell Wilson, they're what? I think the third-best team in that division going into next year? San Fran is going to be back. Healthy. If San Fran's healthy... I mean, I think if San Fran's healthy, I think they're the best team in the NFC. Wow, uh, I don't know. They were that. great in 2019. I don't know if they're better than Tampa or Green Bay again, though. Yeah, I mean, they were dominant in 2019, though. Like that Green Bay team was very similar to the year before, and they rolled Green Bay twice that year. Yeah, that was just I don't know. That just felt like a freak magic year. If if Tampa brings everyone back, I still think Tampa's better. Tampa, I'm sorry, Tampa. Tom, Tampa. Uh, you know what? I I would actually, I would actually like to see the Cowboys do it, because you bring in Russell Wilson, older player. <laughs> they give up all these draft picks. I mean, they would be a, they they'd be a mess uh, after the next year or two. And the Eagles aren't competing th- these next two years. Really, uh, certainly not next year. Anyway, I would like to see the Cowboys end up getting Russell Wilson personally. Have Jerry be ahead of the game. Yeah, be progressive. Yeah, but but uh, I think ultimately it would blow up in their faces um, because you know I think Dak's pretty good, but I don't think they want to pay him. But you you look at that, uh, they they'd have to give up three first round picks, I think, at least to get Russell Wilson. So I, I wouldn't hate that uh, for the from an Eagles perspective um, if the Cowboys uh, were to end up getting Russell Wilson. I don't think it'd be that bad. I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. And what? <laughs> What was this the other day, Mike? Uh, we don't have the audio. Oh, yeah. Are we, am I even should I even be broaching this subject? Am I even allowed to talk about this? You can say bleeping. Well, right? well, can you? Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly what happened. You <laughs> sent me a text transcript of this the other day. What did Jerry Jones say about chickens and bleeping? What? What? I'll leave it to you. Sorry, I'm, bail, <laughs> I'm bailing on this. I, I I put you in a bad spot. Yes. Yeah, so, so he he was trying to. Uh... You know, summarize the the labor discussions over uh, last winter, because I guess they they wrapped him up right before the pandemic hit, and he, the quote to ESPN was, uh, 
you know, I, I guess the gist of it was he was surprised at some of the positions the players dug in on, some of the sides they wanted, some of the things they really prioritized in the bargaining. And he said, uh, you know, it reminds me of when I was on a farm in uh, Missouri. Sometimes in the spring, the wind would come in from a different way while the sun was rising. And you'd wake up and the owls would be sleeping with the chickens. Uh, okay. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of... of- Frank Costanza, when he's talking about the hen, where you have the hen and you have the rooster and the hen, whatever it was, the hen lays the egg or something like that. The chicken goes at the hen. Yeah, the, the rooster, chicken goes at the hen. It's perverse. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. But yeah, I, mean, I, I do not know what Jerry Jones, uh, where he's going with that one. Um, but uh, so be it. Uh, Jerry Jones, the leader of the Dallas Cowboys. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Uh, but I did want to check in with the Phillies down in spring training. As, um, they are hard at work. Bryce Harper uh, finally spoke on uh, Thursday. And Mike, I know, was very concerned with the fact Bryce was a little late getting into camp. Um, you know, he got there daily. You, you were very I worried. For, no, I forgot this. to tell you this. Um, so, you know, I'm going over like pregame stuff with Rob, or pregame, pre-show stuff with Rob, mm-hmm. um, the other, whatever day he did the overnight. And he goes, you know, Bryce Harper, it's weird he's just getting there now. But anyway, I'll just, I'll, I'll just make a brief mention of it. I said, no, Rob, please make a full mention of it. Not, he, don't make it, make it as, as lengthy as you want. You were pushing Tom this on me nothing. the other night. I You're, thought it was weird that like he's, I don't know, he's like showing up after like, I don't know, like a week after Oduble. Like, why is that? Like, shouldn't he be like at the forefront? Like, shouldn't he be somebody ushering everyone else to spring training? Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I. I don't but then I've, I also found out like it was part of the back treatment thing. So then you know, I, I had kind of to lay off the take. Right. Um. But Bryce is there now, and you know, obviously this was a big off season for the Phillies in, in terms of keeping JT Real Muto. Keeping DD Gregorius, uh, strengthening the bullpen, and at least giving us something to feel good about going into this year. Because, I mean, this is a really tough division. The Phillies' playoff hopes are, I don't think, great. We'll do our baseball preview uh, as the season uh, comes closer, and we'll make our predictions here. Um, but uh, the Phillies were able to salvage what looked like it could have been a very bad situation had they lost JT lost DD and really had to reset this year, but um, they're able to, to kind of keep things intact. And here was Bryce Harper on the Phillies uh, in free agency and the moves they made. Um, no, I, I didn't really talk to anybody about it. Um, I kind of just wanted to put all my trust and faith in the team to, you know, keep their word. Um, you know, when we met, um, when we sat down before free agency and stuff like that, that was one of the big things and, and goals of this team was to sign the free agents when we could and, um, you know, get the guys when we could and stuff like that. So I put my faith and trust in them to do their job. And, um, you know, I had that faith in them. Um, of course, you know, when you get halfway through the off season and there's not really much going on, you kind of start sitting there worrying about what our identity as a team is going to be. Um, you know, how we want to, um, you know, prolong this for a couple of years so that we can um, have a great team for, for, you know, not just one year or two year, but um, for six and seven years. Um, our farm system's kind of depleted. Um, so we didn't have anybody that we could really call up or um, trade away for anything, you know, that substantial. Um, of course, you're hopefully not going to get rid of guys like Mick Abel or Stodd or anything like that, uh, Maton or anybody like that. So, 
um, I was wondering kind of what we were going to do. Um, and then, you know, John made his, his decisions of bringing in um, Dombrowski, of course, and Sam Fold is, is our GM. Um, two moves where I thought, wow, um, here we go. This is the start. Um, this is the start of our offseason. This is kind of what we're going to do. Um, I said the other day, you don't really bring in Dombrowski unless it's a, it's a win now kind of move. Um, I think Dombrowski has done a great job um, bringing the guys in that we were able to bring in right now into camp. We have a lot of competition in camp right now, and I think that's good for us and good for the game. Um, bringing in a, a bullpen and shedding the, you know, or not shedding, sorry, um, you know, getting the costs of, you know, the bullpen that we do have and the players that we do um, for the amount of money that we spent. I thought he did a great job with that. And, uh, of course, bringing back JT. I think a lot of these pitchers, too, um, that have came into our staff or came into our bullpen um, understand what JT does for them behind the plate. Um, pitchers like throwing to a good catcher, and I think JT does that behind the plate for these guys. Um, and, you know, the way Dombrowski works, I don't even know if he's done yet. You know, I, I, I have no idea. I haven't really talked to him about it or anything like that. Um, so I guess we'll wait and see what happens uh, here in spring training. And um, just very fortunate to play for an organization that um, is ready to go, ready to win, and, you know, made the moves that or the significant moves that we needed to uh, this offseason. Now, a few things there. Like, I like how candid Bryce is about talking about the moves that the team is making. And I guess that's just kind of the security that comes with signing a 13-year, $330 million contract where you're not too worried about the front office or anybody, you know, you're not worried about stepping on people's toes. And Bryce basically says, yeah, I mean, I was a little worried at some point, but I'm glad we were able to add to the team. Um, and I like his his depth of knowledge of the prospects. Yeah, thank, thankfully, we didn't have to give up Bryson Stott or Mick Abel or who's – I don't even know the other guy he said uh, – to, to ha, something I, I don't even know who the last guy was. Stott is uh that's the guy. I know Stott. He, yeah, yeah. He plays uh shortstop. No, but he plays on Twitch with him. One of the video, one of the shooting games. Oh, so he's his Twitch guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then yeah, I, I also thought it was funny that Bryce, uh, w- 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 the moment he really knew the Phillies were serious was when they hired Sam Fold, and I think that's when all of us knew. Okay, this is this is this is for real. Now. Where were you when? Yeah, where were you when the Phillies promoted Sam Fold? But obviously, the big move was bringing in Dave Dombrowski, and Bryce mentioned a little bit uh, there. But here's more from Bryce Harper talking about uh, the importance of uh, getting Dave Dombrowski in this organization. No, I think it was December when I had no idea what was going on. Um, you know, where we were kind of sitting there figuring out what we kind of wanted to do as an organization, um, you know, how we wanted to approach this offseason, what was going on, um, you know, payroll, things like that. Um, so, I mean, I think that was kind of my sense of, man, you know, what do we got going? Um, but also me understanding that um, I have all my trust in, uh, you know, John Milton and what he's going to do for our organization, all of our coaches and stuff like that. You don't bring in Girardi and tell him, hey, we're not going to do anything. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think just bringing him in, it was kind of refueling. I mean, you guys know how Dombrowski is and how he works. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wants to win. And he was able to do that when he was in Detroit. He was able to do that when he was um, with Boston. And so when he came in, it was kind of like, whoa, like, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is this is it. This is what we're going to do. Um, and this is how we're going to do it. So he made his first move. He made his second move, his third move. And it kind of just – Jordan in kind of what we're doing right now. Um, and I love Sam. I love the way he approaches his days. I love the way he approaches players as well. 
Um, and I just think we have a great mix of, you know, people working for us right now. And uh, we're just really excited as a, as a locker room and as a clubhouse. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Now, you know, I, I do think Bryce kind of goes over the top sometimes, but I, there is some truth to that where Dave Dombrowski, I do believe, gives this organization a certain level of credibility that they just didn't really have with the previous uh, administration. I mean, we know what Andy McPhail did in the early 90s, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much water that holds around the league now. Like, uh, you know, I don't know how many people are, are... What was the year where you better give him credit for? 91, was it? I believe Middleton said. Uh, 91 is when you if, have to give If him you're credit. not going to give it to him in 87, then you got to give it to him in 91. Kirby there, Puckett, there, if he didn't hit that there home was some run. De- there were some decisions right. to be made. Yeah. If Kirby Puckett didn't didn't hit that home run in Game 7 or whatever, then, you know, uh, that, that you got to give Andy credit for that. Um, but he does give... Dabrowski does a certain level of credibility that McPhail and Matt Klintak, uh just didn't have. And here's Bryce on his first conversation with Dave Dombrowski. He called me and we talked for a second. Uh, just, you know, I told him, congratulations. I'm happy to have you. Um, I'm glad Nashville didn't work out for you. No, <laughs> uh, no, but I, uh, I was just really excited to have him. Uh, I'm really excited to know where he came from and what he does. Um, I think when, we, when, you know, when we hired him, it was kind of, um, wow, now here we go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what he's done in Detroit. I know what he's done in Boston. Um, he's going to be the guy that comes in and, you know, hopefully, you know, flips our organization and, you know, puts us on the, on the right path to, to success. So, um, I told him that as well. I said flat out exactly kind of what I just said to you, um, you know, how we brought you in, you know, what you did in Detroit, Boston, um, and just really excited to have you here. Um, so just really looking forward to, you know, how he works and what he, what he does and, you know, conversations that we can have. Um, and that's what he said too. He goes, you know, if you have something for me, you know, talk to me about it or, or Sam and, uh, you know, we can go from there. So. No, and it is, it is encouraging. Um, some of the things Dabrowski's done so far and here's more, here's Joe Girardi, uh, from the other day talking about the energy that Dave Dombrowski has brought to the organization. It is high energy. I mean, I don't know how he did it. I, I think he went from like six to midnight every day since he got here, you know, trying to be in touch with all the other GMs, trying to talk to agents, trying to talk to his whole staff here. I mean, you're talking 200 people. Um, and he just, he loves the game. He loves putting teams together. And he's been really successful. I mean, his track record is fantastic. And uh, I, I loved working with him uh, and I'm excited about the future of the Phillies. And, you know, obviously the big thing Dabrowski did was bring back JT Romito. And yeah, I do believe you got to give a certain amount of credit for that to Matt Klintak for reading the market right, for waiting and allowing Dabrowski to, to seal the deal and get um, JT at a reasonable cost. But here's Joe Girardi on whether he was worried at any point that JT wouldn't be returning. Well, I was a little concerned. Um you know, I knew our desire for, you know, for, for John and, and the Buck family to bring him back and everyone in the organization to bring him back. But when you get out on the free agent market, there's 29 other teams that are probably really interested in, in you when you're JT Riomuto. Now, maybe some teams couldn't afford him, and maybe some teams have a catcher that they like. But when you're the best out there, it's worrisome, right? Because it only takes one team to come out and say, well, we're going to give you this. And all of a sudden, everything kind of blows up. But, 
you know, I, I saw our determination to bring him back, and, and I credit our owners, you know, because they went through hard times last year, right? And, and, but they stepped up big time. Now it's our turn to step up and reward them. And it is. And you do got to give Middleton credit, and I, I have, and I was very critical of him, but he did put his money where his mouth was, and, and he spent this offseason. And, you know, that's all, really all you can ask of a Major League Baseball owner is to spend what you need to spend to improve this team. But getting back to Bryce, because, uh, you know, going into his third year as a Philly now, going into his second year with Joe Girardi, uh, you know, that relationship seems to be a pretty strong one. Here's Joe Girardi on uh, working with Bryce Harper. Uh, the guy just loves to play, and he loves to play hard, and he, and he just, you know, he's in the clubhouse talking to his teammates all the time, and, and he comes to work every day. You know, I think what was so amazing to me is how regimented he is. And, and not that a lot of people aren't, but I didn't really know much about Bryce. But Bryce has a plan every day. What he wants to get done, when he wants to get it done, and this is what he needs to accomplish. And he goes and sets out and does it. And, you know, it, it's no mistake that he's a great player because, of you know, I look at his work ethic and how he goes about his business. But until you get around someone, you don't really know that. And uh, that's what I've been most impressed by. And, you know, uh, Bryce does uh, seem to be a guy that cares. And that's one thing you kind of worry about with the guy who signs that kind of contract, that the work ethic might tail off. But one of the encouraging things about Bryce Harper is he seems like one of the guys who's committed to try to earn that contract and make it clear that he was worth it. Um, rather than just kind of, you know, slacking. And I I think Bryce Harper has been decent his first two years. Um, he hasn't been, I think, that top-level player where he's a top-10 guy in Major League Baseball. I don't think he's at that level. Um, but he's certainly been uh, an entertaining player to watch. And, and when he's hot, he can get as hot as anybody um, in baseball. But it's important in this sport, I think more than many because of the money commitments and these long-term commitments, uh, they are like marriages in a sense. And um, Bryce Harper in many ways is, is connected to, to John Middleton here based off uh, that kind of commitment. And here is Bryce on his relationship with John Middleton. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't think we were to that point yet. Uh, we still had a long off season to go. And like I said, I, I've put so much trust into John and kind of what he's doing. And um, for and I think he kind of was a little bit busy understanding or trying to figure out his front office and what he wanted to do. So um, once he did that, I remember texting him going, hey, I love what you're doing. Um, you know, here's a picture of Brooklyn and crew, like, hope you're well, Merry Christmas kind of stuff. So and he texted me back and um, – John's a guy that wants to win. He cares about his clubhouse. He cares about his team. He cares about the city of Philadelphia. Um, he wants to have, you know, success in all facets of the game. And he wants us to, you know, have success as players. And um, I know that he wants to bring a title back to Philadelphia and uh, do that again. Um, I know how much everybody loved 08, um, not so much 09. Love that run. Um, but, you know, the killer um, in, the, in the World Series. Um but, I mean, I think everybody wants to get back to that run. I mean, because you guys had such a great span of years um, with those teams. So, um, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back there. And uh, I know that John wants to have this, has that success as well. And, you know, we can as an organization if we put, you know, the right people out there. 
There are a few things in there that that I I think are pretty funny. I just love the idea of him like of, of Bryce Harper acting like Middleton's boss, like critiquing him, like text, hey, like what you're doing, John. Yeah, you're you're on point. I, I enjoy what you're doing. You just keep Here, it up. Picture my kids. Right. Here's yeah. your reward. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, and maybe maybe I'll understand this more uh, in a week or so when I have a kid. But like, I don't. What? What? Why would John Middleton want a picture of Bryce Harper's kids? I, why? Like, I, I, it's a genuine question. I don't. I, you know, it, I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's a digital Christmas card. Like, I don't want to. I don't really want a picture of somebody else's kids. I don't care. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, sorry. Uh, I mean, is <laughs> next? Uh, like, is this just a blind spot for me? I well, like maybe like two weeks from now, I start uh, like I hit you up with a take, and you respond with a picture of your kid. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do that now. Um, but <laughs> I like how you put it, Mike, where it's like, here's your reward, your reward for signing JT. Here's a picture of the kids. Um, and also, uh, I like Bryce at the end. And this is where I kind of think, because, you know, we were talking about Philly guys. And you you said in my ear, Mike, Philly guy, when Bryce is talking about <laughs> 09 killer in the World Series. Man, it, when, when it's just like phony Philly guy stuff. Though. He should have been like, man, I can't believe they can cover third. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that A Rod home run hit that camera, camera in right field. <laughs> um, something like that. But Pedro was sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Bryce Harper, I think Bryce does go over the top sometimes, but I like Bryce. You know, everybody likes price. 215-592-9494. When we get back, uh, I've been saying we were going to do this. We will we, we return here. Is Mike and I will go through, we'll predict some of next year's Levi's uh, WIP awards um, as uh, starting uh, in the future. It'll be a yearly award, not just over the last 20 years. So we will uh, get to that, predict some moving forward, coming back. Uh, that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. There's nothing worse than people that just tweet out spoilers for TV shows and movies and stuff like that. There's this TV show I'm watching, uh, WandaVision, which I've talked about with, with John Johnson before. And it it comes out at 3 a.m. every Friday morning because it's midnight on the West Coast. And there are people like tweeting spoilers about it. Very frustrating. This is a talk show. This is in the Twitter show. Like, why? What? What? What's the need to do that? I don't. I don't get it. I don't get why people do that. I don't get why you need to get out there with your take on the show. Like, keep it to yourself. Probably you, want to discuss it with others. Uh, but I mean, you got to be more aware though that like there are a lot of people who are are asleep right now, and people who aren't asleep are probably at work. You know, not many people are sitting at home watching TV. You know, you got. You got to be aware and, and think of the other people. But how come when I'm watching a game, I don't have to be aware and think of the other people? I, that's the, I mean, people watch games live. If you're not watching a game live, that's on you. Well, if you're not watching a TV show live, that's on you. It's not live. It's a streaming show, though. Oh. Like, people watch it different times. It's not like a live oh. thing. You're just trying to argue with me for this. I just, argument. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not a TV movie guy. Like, it's if you find out what happens in the show, is it really that big of a deal? Yes, it is. All right, fine. You're like my wife, and my my wife does this where she she watches like The Bachelor and stuff like that, but she looks up all the spoilers beforehand. It's like, what's the point? How is it? How's it anything like I just said? 
I, I don't look out. I don't look up spoilers. Well, you're you're saying it doesn't matter whether you know the result before watching the show. I think it does. Like I would never do that. I'd never look. At I spoilers. get like if I don't know if like if I was new to Seinfeld and like I sat down and we were watching an episode together and you're like this is great. George is going to do everything the opposite and like wait till you see where it gets him. Like I I think I'd be able to enjoy it still. All right. Well, it's different with the show like Seinfeld that's been on a billion times, but whatever. Okay. Uh, let, let's let, let's move on here and let's predict some Levi's for next year. Now we should keep track of these, Mike, and we'll revisit this in a year. All right. Um, and we'll see uh who was more right uh with our answers here. So we'll 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 go with what uh, going back to Monday. So best franchise for this next year. I mean, I think this is pretty obviously going to be the Sixers. I, I, but maybe the Flyers. I picked the Phillies. You picked the Phillies. I picked the Phillies. You, do you think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs? We were, yeah, we already did this topic two days ago. But I, I picked the Phillies then. All right, yeah. well, recapping it, I, I forgot about that. I picked um, the Phillies. Okay, I'm going Sixers with that one. Okay. Uh, so I'll take the Sixers. Uh, that's right. We talked about best trade. I'm going to go with the Wentz trade. Um, I am going to go with something Daryl Morey does. Kyle Lowry trade. Jose Alvarado trade. Jose like Alvarado. Him. Wow, you're high on this Phillies team. Uh, I'm going with the Wentz trade. Okay. Um, best sixer, Joel Embiid, uh, unless you're going Simmons. Though. That's Embiid. Okay. Um, best coach over the next year. Uh, so we got Elaine Vigneault. We got um, Doc Rivers. I, this guy may have already won it. Joe Girardi and Nick Sirianni. Do I hear a Sirianni from you, Mike? It's Doc. Doc, I would go Doc as well. So uh, we'll both go Doc there. Best Flyers player. Counting on a Carter Hart uh, resurgence. Hmm. You know, Carter Hart has had a difficult start to this season. Um, but do we see him uh, him kind of bouncing back here? I'll go with Carter Hart. I thought you were going to go with your TK. Uh, no. I, I actually don't like the fact that somebody else has my nickname. Um. There's, this town's only big enough for one TK, and I have to uh, imagine I'm not going to be the winner there. I'm not the more well-known TK. Yeah, I just I don't see any scenario where it's not Hart or Giroux, and I don't, I don't want to picture. I guess I'll picture it just be different. Okay, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Carter Hart there. Best draft steal. This one's kind of difficult to predict. <laughs> um, now you could go with a quarterback. Now the, the probably best going whichever Eagle gets drafted in the first round. You're counting on the Eagles nailing a first round pick, which is which is dangerous. Um, I got one. Okay. Uh, well, what are you going to go with? The Eagles taking Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round. Really? That's going to be the steal. All right. I am going to go with the Eagles selecting Trey Lance. From North Dakota State, the quarterback, as their draft steal. All right. And, and Good luck. Uh, we'll talk about Trey Lance in a little bit here. Um, but uh, the Eagles, I mean, they, they, should, they should not be deterred from drafting him just because he's a North Dakota State quarterback. Like, that, that idea to me is pretty stupid. Like, the fact that, uh, you know, I'm hearing and seeing a lot of people say – you can't draft Trey Lance. You can't draft another North Dakota State quarterback. There are a lot of people saying you can't draft a quarterback at all, which I think is absurd, but especially that guy, North Dakota State. No, if you think he's good, you, you draft him. You know, if you think this guy's going to be a really good player for you, you draft him. 
So I, I don't agree with that at all, that you should pass on Trey Lance just because of where he went to school. Uh, so I'll go with that one there. Um, best executive over the next year. Uh, well, I guess based on your, uh, your, your take so far, Mike, you're probably going Dabrowski here, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm going to go with Howie. You're going Howie? Wow. I'll go Daryl Morey on that one. Um, TNT would go with Elton Brand. Yeah, TNT was. You hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were talking about Elton, and I, I think that's just because Reggie Miller's like friends with Elton, so uh, you know they they do that. But um, I'll go with uh, Daryl Moore's best moment. This one's very going to be very <laughs> yeah. difficult to predict. Um, uh, yeah, I, should we we'll revisit that one? I'm going to come up with more creative yeah. ideas. We'll revisit that one the last segment where we'll do uh, the rest of these and best role player. Um. Best role player, I will go with. Hmm, what, what, what do you think, Mike? While we uh, fill the time, I'm thinking between the Sixers and the Phillies. I don't think I'm going to go with an Eagle here or a Flyer. I think I'm. I have this down to Sixers and Phillies. Um, so the, the Sixers candidates are what, like Shake, Shake, Thibel, Dwight. You know, cork boss. Corky. Wouldn't recommend, but. I'll go with Shake Milton. And the Phillies, you have Bamboo Brad. Bamboo Brad. Nappy. Yeah, or one of your bullpen guys. Or the whole bullpen, yeah. Um, Going Alvarado again? I'm going to go Alex Singleton. Alex, oh, the linebacker. I'm thinking, Phillies, Alex Singleton. Left turn. Yeah. So, okay, well, we'll get to the rest of these in the next segment. There are going to be some fun ones to predict. It's it's almost more fun to predict the ones that are unpredictable. Uh, so we'll get to the rest of these predictions for next year in the uh, final segment of the show. We'll have to come up with some blunders, uh, some funny ideas for best blunder. Um, but predicting next year's Levi's. When we get back, uh, we'll hear from the Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. No Gabe check-in today, but we have a Sirianni check-in. And I'll tell you what, Sirianni. Give some Gabe vibes off, doesn't he? Uh, so we'll hear from uh, Nick Sirianni. Did a hard-hitting inter- interview with Dave Spadaro. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Another couple segments. Uh, if you want to get in, 215 Nine four nine four. That's fun. That was fun. Uh, predicting some of next year's Levi's. We'll get back to that in the next segment here. Uh, and uh, we will also predict best caller. That'll be a fun one to uh, to predict as well. So we'll get to that in the next segment here. Um, but I did want to let you hear a little of Nick Sirianni, uh, Eagles' new head coach, did a hard hitting interview with Dave Spadaro uh, on Eagles dot com, Philadelphia Eagles dot com uh, on Thursday, and uh, you know. Nick Sirianni, the the introduction didn't get off to a great start. We all know what happened um, with the introductory press conference where he seemed un- unprepared. I think he was nervous. I think the Zoom aspect um, didn't help. And I also think the Eagles kind of leaving him out there to answer questions alone without having Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman there as well. Uh, it, it was a tough spot to put your new coach in who I don't think has a ton of experience talking to the media like uh, 
I imagine they do things the same way in Indy that the Eagles do, which is coordinators meet with the media once a week. Um, but those aren't very high pressure situations. You know, when you're not the head coach, you're not getting asked the real hard hitting questions. Um, so Nick Sirianni, uh, was asked those hard-hitting questions on Thursday by Dave Spadaro. And um, some uh, interesting things uh, coming out of it. But first, uh, you know, Nick just asked, you know, what have you been doing since getting the job as the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, at this particular point, it's always, it's always we're, depending on the year, like right now we're installing our scheme, right? We're installing our scheme of, of who we are and teaching it, right? It's, it's, we're teaching it. You know, not everybody has been in the scheme with us. So it's me and Shane teaching the offense to the rest of the position coaches. Now, Jason's a a lot further ahead. He's been in it. Kevin's a lot further ahead. He's been in it. But it's the teaching, just like you would. And it's it's funny. What we do is we take that same thing we do in phase one and phase two with the players, and we're doing that with the coaches. Well, I mean, that's awesome. We get we get a chance to to practice that too with the coaches, and then talk through things and and massage things out because, right? We we have this 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 experience on this staff that's all these different guys and these different voices. Let's get it. Yes, this is what we're going to do, but let's get, let's make it what we do, right? And let's get it together that way. So that's a big big portion of it. And then it's always watching. You know that we like to say that's the morning part of it, and then the afternoon part of it is is watching free agents and watching college uh, players, right? And really wrapping our mind around the next group of guys that it, that will be Eagles. And so, you know, that's kind of how the day's broken up. And then some of us coaches that don't have families to go to right now because they're living in other cities, we get to stay at night too. And we get to do the whole thing again, just get, just keep immersing ourselves in the football and into, the, into this building and into the city. Um, so it, I always think it's a great bonding time too, between the coaches, like that we get to just be together all day and, you, you know, it, it's just, it's good bonding. And, and again, that, that's really the connection to the, the coaches, coach to coach, player to coach, player to player. That's so important to me, uh, for a good football team. I mean, he's got a lot of energy. I mean, that's a, that, that's a good thing. Um, he's very enthusiastic, uh, about his job clearly, uh, have you ever seen Office Space, Mike? Have you ever seen that movie? Um, Believe it or not, I have. You have. Wow. You know who Nick kind of reminds me of? Kind of reminds me of the the enthusiastic waiter. The guy with all the, what is it oh, called? The, the flair? Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, like, can I take your order today? Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what Nick, uh, who Nick reminds me of. He's very enthusiastic. That's a good thing. But, uh, you know, some of the, co- you know, the he's put together a staff. That was his first job here. But, um not all these coaches is Nick Sirianni familiar with. Most of them he is. Um, but here is Nick on uh, some of the coaches that he didn't really know when he hired them. Some of the guys were, we didn't know at all. Nobody knew. It was just, hey, this is a good coach. He's available. You know, this is a good coach in the college game. He's available. This is a good coach in the NFL game. He's available. Okay, let's go through that same interview process, and let's go through that same vetting process. So, what what an experience! What we le- we got to learn a lot of ball, right? We're asking the questions, but then you know, oh man, that was a good idea. Oh, that was a good idea. Like we got to learn a lot of ball, and that's what we do. We're ball coaches, so it was a it was a great process. It was long and it was tedious, but I know it made us better as as a staff. Uh, we got the right pieces in my mind in here, and then it also it's made us better as a staff because we were just talking ball day in day out. He likes to talk ball, you know. He's a ball coach. He likes to talk ball and. 
you know, brings in uh, different guys. I guess he's uh, – who are the coaches that he didn't know? Brian Johnson, I guess, uh, the quarterback's coach. But, uh, you know, taking different ideas from different coaches, and, and that's obviously a good thing. But it kind of reminded me of the Jeffrey Lurie, you know, when he says some of these guys we didn't even know, Jeffrey Lurie can relate. I didn't know anything about Jonathan Gannon, but uh, I was thinking, boy, how are we going to get Jonathan Gannon? <laughs> I don't know who he is, but how are we going to get him? That's what we need to do. We need to get the guy we don't know anything about. Him. Some of the guys were, we didn't know at all. Nobody knew. It was just, hey, this is a good coach. He's available. There you go. That's a, a good vetting process, I, I assume. Um, but one in particular, Sirianni was very excited about. And now Michael Clay, he's he's taking over for FIP, right? He's taking over the special yep. teams unit? Yep. Um, well, here's uh, Nick Sirianni on Michael Clay and his uh, very impressive interview. Incredible. I've told this to our staff. Michael's interview was incredible. I've told this to our staff. Anything we threw at him, he had an answer for. And it was a good, detailed answer that he's thought through. When you're really ready for an interview, it's because you've been preparing for that interview for years. right? You can't just prepare for an interview in a night. You can just tell that this guy has been preparing for being a special teams coordinator for his entire career. How do you prepare for being a special teams coordinator for your entire career? I mean, most guys have higher aspirations than that, right? <laughs> like, come on. I, are you a little nervous about Sirianni? I don't know. You a little nervous about him? Uh, it's not, it's not that I'm nervous because I'm confident that he's nothing. Like, it's not like, like, it's not like yeah. there's no, I'm not waiting on the upside. He's just very. I'm pretty sure he's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, these comments don't, like, they don't inspire me with confidence. Like, I'm happy the guy's excited. I hope Appy's um, enthusiastic, but they, you do get a lot of gape from him. He had I, an I answer feel. for everything. He does. Yeah. Well, I'd hope so. He's interviewing for a job. Um, but uh, here's one more. And, you know, one of his big hires was. Uh, Kevin, what was this guy's last name? Kevin, I should know this. Oh, it's like Pl- Pl- Platuski or something like that. I don't think it's actually Platuski, uh, but it's something uh, along those lines. Platula, that Platula, that's what it is. Uh, Kevin Platula is pass game coordinator, and uh, Nick Sirianni, prior to his time in Indy, he didn't even know what a pass game coordinator was. At the Colts uh, in 2020, Kevin was elevated to that position, and. I had never been around that position before. I had really, I really had never been around that position of, of pass game coordinator. We never had that. After about two weeks, I'm like, how did I ever not have this position? How did I not? How, how, this is so vital to us of what Kevin's doing on a day-to-day basis that I don't know how I live without it. Kevin just, Kevin's just got a really unique thought process of, of the pass game. He's been a wideout coach. He's been a quarterback coach. I just think when you've done both of those, you really, really, really understand the the, the intricacies of the pass game because you see it on both sides. That position is so vital. Uh, again, didn't know it until I had it. And Kevin just did a phenomenal job. And I know our pass game was successful last year, you know, in, in a lot of respects due to Kevin. Well, that and that's Nick Sirianni. It's just some of the things he had to say during his uh, one-on-one with Dave Spadaro. Um, and, you know, uh, he's, he's very excited, excited about the opportunity, uh, speaks with a lot of emotion. Hopefully he can, uh, he can coach a little bit or else 
um, you know, he's going to going to take some heat. Uh, so hopefully he's ready for that as well. 215-592-9494. We get back. We'll uh, recap some of the things we've been discussing throughout the course of the show. And Mike and I will make our uh, predictions for the rest of the 2021 or the 2022 WIP awards next year uh, as we project the year out. Some of these a little challenging, um, but uh, we're, we're having some fun with it. So we'll do that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Back with you uh, for one more segment here. Uh, if you want to get in, time for a couple more calls. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Some of the things uh, we've been discussing throughout the course of the show tonight. Uh, the Sixers, as they uh, defeat the Mavericks on Thursday night, a pretty impressive win in which Ben Simmons was uh, – Tremendous, again, uh, all over the floor on both ends, especially defensively, holding Luka Doncic to 6 of 13 from the field, just 19 points, which, you know, that's a guy that that goes off seemingly for 30, 35 every night. Um, And uh, Ben Simmons did did a very nice job on him. And, you know, it it just shows every time he goes out how valuable uh, Ben Simmons is. And how much he means to this team. And while I get that that people are are upset, some people are upset the Sixers did not acquire James Harden, uh, I don't think getting James Harden was a necessity for this team. Um, And especially when you look at at being able to hang on to Ben Simmons, where if you're getting James Harden, you're giving up Ben Simmons. And yeah, that is going to... Help your offensive efficiency. But what you would be losing on the defensive end would be um, a big issue that I don't think we pay enough attention to. Uh, Especially when you get in the postseason and you need stops. And in the playoffs, defense is so much more important. If Brooklyn has an Achilles heel, it is the fact that they are a a very uh, poor defensive team. And I would I, I agree with the viewpoint of Daryl Morey of keeping Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together, making moves around them, whether it is going out and improving the bench in a significant way, improving your depth in a significant way. Uh, getting a guy like Kyle Lowry, I'm kind of conflicted on. I, I like Kyle Lowry, um, but I wouldn't want to give up a guy like Tyrese Maxey and significant picks uh, for Kyle Lowry, who I don't know how much better he makes this team. He's certainly a guy that you want to have on your team in the postseason. He's uh, been in the playoffs a bunch. He is not going to be phased in those big moments and, you know, is is also a, a player that is going to help you on both ends of the floor. And in that regard... um. He'd be a nice addition, but I'd be thinking for something bigger, you know, and and the name I keep mentioning, and I don't know if he would become available, but I think if you go to them and you offer um, a package that is enticing enough, maybe you can end up with a guy like Zach Levine, and you can really kind of uh, 
bolster your offense, bolster that starting lineup, add a couple pieces to the bench on the buyout market, or make some smaller trades and set yourself up uh, for the postseason. But a good win for the Sixers, and they remain in first place in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, I think they're capable of beating Brooklyn. I think they're capable of beating Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, any of these teams that they could play in the postseason. Um, I like the Sixers' chances right now. So we've been discussing that. We're discussing the Eagles a little earlier. We just let you hear from Nick Sirianni. And also, um, this Russell Wilson situation, which is fascinating, is he hasn't demanded a trade out of Seattle, but he has told the Seahawks he would accept the trade to four teams. And those four teams, the Chicago Bears, which that's an interesting one. I don't know why the Bears are in the mix there. I guess maybe a ready-made Super Bowl contender that's a quarterback away. Uh, I guess that's what he's thinking there. Um, Don't love the coach in the front office, but um, if they put a quarterback uh, in play there, they could potentially contend. Uh, The Saints, again, another team that they add Russell Wilson. I think they become the favorites in the NFC. Um, the, uh, the Raiders are another team, uh, that he put on that list. They could be looking to move on from Derek Carr. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders, uh, looked into this deeper and, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, as an Eagles fan, you would think, well, obviously you don't want Russell Wilson going to Cowboys. I don't view it that way. I would not mind that being the case. Russell Wilson is a guy in his early thirties. To get him, the Cowboys would have to mortgage a significant amount of their future. They would. I think the bidding for Russell Wilson starts at three first-round picks. It's not as much as it would cost to get to Sean Watson, but it's also not that far off. And if the Cowboys are trading three first-round picks plus other mid-round picks to get Russell Wilson, maybe it is enough to get them over the hump in the next couple of years. Personally, I don't really care what the Cowboys do. I know, you know, everybody's big on the the Cowboy hate here. I don't really care. I care about the Eagles. And the Eagles, at least this year, they are not competing for the NFC East. If the Cowboys get Russell Wilson, if the division remains the way it is, I think the Eagles could very well compete. But the Eagles aren't competing for a Super Bowl. And... If the Cowboys want to go and mortgage their future to try to win the next two to three years while the Eagles are rebuilding, fine. That's just going to open things up down the road. And I think the Cowboys would end up losing a good quarterback for the future in Dak Prescott. Um, But obviously, they haven't been able to come together on an agreement. Maybe that's complicated now by Dak's injury. Uh, But if I'm an Eagles fan, I actually don't think it would be the worst case scenario uh, for the Cowboys to end up with Russell Wilson uh, because it would, I think, really hurt them in the future down the line. So we've been discussing that and also the Phillies as uh, we heard from Bryce Harper and Joe Girardi a little earlier on from spring training. Um, As things are getting into full swing, spring training games start, I believe, on Monday. Uh, And you can hear uh, Phillies Orioles, I believe, Monday afternoon right here on WIP. Uh, I heard from Bryce Harper earlier on who um, very excited about what the team did. And, you know, this is, I think, a testament to John Middleton for putting his money where his mouth is, essentially. And um, while earlier in the offseason, talking about maybe being cash-strapped due to the pandemic, maybe the Phillies not being able to do the things 
that they wanted to do. Um, he was able uh, to make those moves, spent the money, and brought in Dave Dombrowski. And um, Bryce Harper and Joe Girardi both have talked at length about the importance of Dave Dombrowski, what he's meant to the organization, and uh, kind of the credibility that he has brought, especially on the heels of Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail. I mean, this front office was essentially a joke the last couple of years. And uh, while Klintak does deserve credit, especially for the JT Real Muto situation, because Matt Klintak, as much as people don't want to admit it, he handled that perfectly. Uh, he evaluated the market in, in, in a very smart way, where he knew uh, or he felt that JT was not going to have a massive offer out there. He ended up not having a massive offer, and the Phillies end up getting him back uh, for a pretty reasonable price. So just some of the things we've been discussing. And now to close out the show, uh, we will finish our predictions for the 2022 Levi's. As um, Mike and I kind of looking into our crystal balls here, into the future, and uh, we'll we'll revisit this when we do the WIP awards in the future and and see who got more right. Um, But... Let's pick up best moment again here, Mike. Have you uh, have you thought this out? Do you have a best moment uh, nominee for twenty twenty two that you want to predict? Um, the Sixers will win a playoff game on a pair of Ben Simmons free throws. Well, I love uh, the Andre Iguodala game. Yeah, well, I, I won't go as far as the elimination game. That seems too greedy. But like maybe like a game three. Yeah, and we watched that game together, that Iguodala free throw game. You mean Spike. Yeah, yeah, you mean Spike, and Spike was mad at me. That was back when Spike was hosting, and I, I was producing and you were interning, or I don't know. You know what I was doing? I was recording something from, like, Merrill was calling a high school football game. <laughs> really? But we weren't running it live. I had to record it, so I had to, like, record it, like, in that studio while, yeah. Yeah, and in true, I guess... Uh, TK fashion, I was being negative, and I, I hope Iguodala misses these free throws because I didn't like Iguodala. That was nine years ago, and you were, you were even old back then. Yeah, I know. I was still old when I was uh, 24. <laughs> um, but best moment, I'll go with the best moment. Uh, do they still they still award the MVP like at a, at the game before the? Uh... No, that stopped. Uh, years oh, ago. that stopped. Darn it. Um, well, I'll still I'll go. Best moment will be when Joe Embiid wins the MVP award. First sixer in 20 years to win MVP. Uh, so that's my nominee for, that's my prediction for best moment. Best team, well, the uh, best team is same as best franchise. So I, that I don't one's... see, I actually don't agree with that. I think you could have a, um, like, let's say the, like, the Eagles could get everything right, but, like, the team goes seven to nine. You know, like, it, right. like, but, like, you see signs that they got all the hires. Right? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Well, I'll go Sixers here. I guess you'll get Phillies. Uh, yeah. No, I'll go Sixers. Sixers, I think, could, you know, get the one seed. All right. Now, biggest blunder. This is another one that is difficult to predict. Um, oh, where are you going to go here, Mike? I'm interested to see where you're going to go with this one. Um, okay. The Eagles' first play from scrimmage in the Nick Sirianni era, uh, there's like an Ill- illegal formation or something. Okay. Or no, the twelve men in the huddle. Well, I'm going twelve men in the huddle. I'm going Sirianni too. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, he that, that he makes a miscalculation and he goes for two when he really shouldn't go for two, and it's gonna cost the Eagles. So a game. Actually, like it, it would be better if 
he like kicks it when he really should go for right, two. Right, right. The Eagles are down like eight, uh, <laughs> and, and he decides to kick an extra point instead of go for two. So you know what I'm saying there. We they're, can, we... they're down nine, and he kicks the extra point. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're both or going whatever. with Sirianni blunders. Um, but uh, best Phillies player uh, for this upcoming season, um, who are you going to go with? Aaron Nola. You're going Knowles. I'm not going Knowles. I'm not a Nola guy. I'm not yeah. a big Nola guy. Um, I think he's building up strength. He's going to be stronger this year. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Reese Hoskins. I think Reese Hoskins uh, is going to have a big year. All right. Uh, bounce back for Reese. Um, best Eagles player this season. Uh, who do you think will be the best Eagles player in 2021? Um, <laughs> there, I mean, I the mean, safe one's Lane Johnson, but that's not fun. Yeah. I mean, there aren't. There aren't a ton to, to choose from here. I mean, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Wow. Okay. Uh, I like the. I like the prediction. Double um, prediction. Yeah. Um. And why not? I'll go with Trey Lance. <laughs> I'll go with Trey Lance, the new quarterback. Um, best game. This is another one uh, that is uh, going to be really, really difficult to predict. Eagles Cowboys Week 16 to see who gets the ninth overall pick. Okay. That's going to be the best game. Okay. I will go with second round Sixers over the Milwaukee Bucks in game seven. Wow. So you have the Sixers, what, getting a two seed? I have them, uh, yeah, I have them, uh, you know, finishing in the top couple seeds. And I think they end up facing Brooklyn Eastern Conference Finals. I don't, I'm not ready to pick them over the the Nets yet in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think they will beat Milwaukee in the second round. Because to play Milwaukee, that means they fell. Yeah, I think they. I think they'll probably fall out, or, or Milwaukee could fall to four. You know, these yeah. pretty jump. Uh, Actually, no. There's such a diff- there's a giant gap between three and. Is there really? Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, I'll I'll stick with my prediction there. No. Uh, Milwaukee, Boston, same thing. Whoever they beat, it'll be a seven game series. Um, and then uh, best athlete uh, for this upcoming year in Philadelphia. It's already uh, one, right? Joel Embiid. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. And then uh, who do we have for best caller? Uh, why don't we just do best caller for our show? And we'll evaluate it over the next year. Yeah. Well, it probably will be the. I mean, I I don't see any of the candidates on the other shows getting it compared to like the ones at the. Well, you know, has. how about the weave? I'll I'll, I'll go with weave. Um. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go with Mike. Okay. Well, you're going with the safe pick. I'll go with the. I'll go with the wild. But card. if we put like if we put odds on this, Mike would be like what minus like a thousand maybe. Um, but I don't know. We have some good callers on this show. You know, Isan and and John and Allentown and. And, uh, I mean, Adrian's been, been trying to produce the show lately, so I've been a little bothered by, by Adrian's <laughs> That was kind great of when you forgot, you forgot you went to the plateau. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, I didn't, I didn't know where the plateaus were. I didn't realize that's what it was called, but that's right. I, I do remember that. Um, the Belmont Plateau, now I remember. Uh, but uh, that'll do it for the show tonight. Thank you to Mike Angelina for producing. I will be back Saturday into Sunday, uh, and then again next week. So I'll talk to you then. Uh, thank you for listening. Next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show.
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.